people have spoken, and we now bring you episode 30 of Talk About Board Games. We try our luck in magical dice combat, discuss gaming distractions, and we sneak a playthrough review into Canada when we play Freedom, the Underground Railroad. A safe house for you, board gamer. <laughs> board gamer. <laughs> board gamer. And we <laughs> will help you on your way to freedom from bad games. I am Fred, and this is Nicole. That's right. And this is Talk About Board Games, episode 30. This is the first Talk About Board Games where our feature game was voted on by our guild. Mm-hmm. Freedom of the Underground Railroad. Mm-hmm. Beating out. Caverna. One of the quotes was, I think that one's been pretty much covered. <laughs> <laughs> beating Not out. Not by us, because we still haven't played it. Right. Beating out Aquasphere. Quote about that. I tried it. I didn't really like it. <laughs> <laughs> we still haven't tried it yet. We haven't tried it yet. No. It sounded cool. Automated stuff. I think it'll be fun. I'm going to play it. But the guild, I mean, the people have spoken, and um, and they want freedom. The Underground Railroad. Well, yeah. This is like, and this is what's funny is I think that might be the oldest of those. Yeah, it is. It's definitely the oldest of those three games. Mm-hmm. They, people just passed it up. Too afraid to tackle the subject. Maybe. I don't know. Are you afraid? Mm, no, but it was a little <laughs> awkward. It was a little awkward <laughs> to edit. I'll tell you that right now because I <clears throat> I do my edits on my lunch break. Yeah, and. You'll hear, but <laughs> just, oh. <laughs> just picture coming in, not having any idea what you're listening right. to. It was interesting. <laughs> <clears throat> well, guess what? It's not the only game we played this week, though. As usual, we played some other games, and let's find out which ones. We like to game with gods. We like to game with dice. So this is what we say. But when the chips were gone and the sun came up, hey, let's see what God played. All right. So... This week, I got a game that got an expansion, the latest expansion for a game that has many expansions at this point, and that is the game Dice Masters. And I've got the latest Dungeons and Dragons expansion called Siege of Faerun. And all I could get so far, as usual, WizKids, <clears throat> in their amazing supply problems with this game, have uh, in, in case you guys don't know, the history of the supply problems were this game was released in April and no one in the United States got it until September. Of what year? Of the same year. Which? It was like a couple of years ago. Okay. 2014. <clears throat> so, no, it was. Okay. So now, same kind of thing, except I think this might have to do with WizKids taking a stance on supporting the brick and mortar stores, like an actual gaming store rather than the online uh, suppliers. Which is kind of... Did you get this from a brick-and-mortar store? No. <clears throat> but here's what I'm saying. The starter packs came in, sold out immediately, but so did the gravity feeds, which a gravity feed is just like it's a box of these little packets that are meant to be bought as expansions. In this case, Dice Master sells you two cards and two dice and a little foil package for a dollar a piece. 
and they sell these on they sell these at the stores and they sell them online as well mm-hmm. but the online supply was like instantly gone mm-hmm. and this is how you get like an expansion of cards because this set for instance has 145 cards in it and there are there's only like 20 of them or something like that in the in the base pack or in the starter set but that wasn't there's not 20 different characters right Right, but okay. each character has three variants, oh, like okay. three different levels. You know that cost more and do more. Then there would have been you... like twenty four, right? <clears throat> I think there it... were eight characters, right. weren't there? <clears throat> twenty four. Thanks, mathematician. Hey, but the... <laughs> anything I can do to help. <laughs> so it was. Anyways, conf- I was just like, wait a minute, that look, doesn't add up. This isn't fun with math. Get my calculator. <laughs> See, I'm right. Well, I'll calculate The uh... <laughs> so <clears throat> that doesn't even mean anything. The. Uh... <laughs> So here's what we got this set and and we've got the 24 cards in it but there are 140 something in the in the in the actual set. Mm-hmm. And I can't get to any of them unless I go to a retail outlet and buy them there but I don't really want to. <laughs> well, there it's not always convenient for us to get over there. Right. It's a little distance. Well, it's and it's yeah. And then you don't know if they're going to have it or not. Correct. So anyway, and, and so these things, another thing that kind of on top of it is like whenever I buy these, I like to buy the whole gravity feed at once because there's these ultra rare cards in these things that come pretty much one per gravity feed, maybe two, but usually it's just one. Mm-hmm. So if I buy this whole thing online, not only do I get a 30% discount where all of a sudden a $90 gravity feed, which has 90 of these little packs in it, becomes a $60 pack online, but I actually get at least one of those super rare cards. If I go into a store and I just start buying out of the open gravity feed, I don't know if the super ultra thing's been pulled already or whatever, and I don't even have a shot at it. Maybe, yeah, it just kind of ruins it. Like I, I'm not, you, a, I'm not a huge supporter of collectability already. I'm a huge <clears throat> supporter of compulsiveness. No, I'm not a huge supporter, but I just I have a, I have problems with. Yeah, I like to collect them all, which is why I never tried to get into Pokemon. Right, because it's too hard. You can't do it. Can't collect them all. Not even on the Pokemon Snap. Right. Which was my favorite Pokemon game. That's because you got to trade with other people. Not on that one. You don't? No. Oh, okay. Well, anyways, this say, this thing has the same kind of thing now, but there's a supply problem with all the gravity feeds. And, and this thing came out second week of February. And here it is. This is the second week of March. And no gravity feeds still online. <laughs> the starter sets came back in, but that's all I caught so far. But anyways, we did get a chance to play this. <coughs> and what happened during that game, Nicole? I actually won. Oh Where's my, my jingle? God. <laughs> do, 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 do. I can't That's write a jingle. I, but, I mean, I just, I'm going to, for your jingle, you're just going to do that into the microphone. <laughs> That's not fun for anyone. No they, one likes I that. I think they would all like that. I don't think so. <laughs> I'm not even going to put a drum beat. They're sitting it. here going, "Whoa, that's terrible!" <laughs> no, that's going to be your jingle. It's just you going, "Do do 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 do." I win, you lose. See, <laughs> it'll be something like off the cuff, and you'll just do it. <laughs> it's so bad. Is though. that good? No, <clears throat> you're supposed to write me a song. No, write me a song because you love me so. <laughs> no, come on. What <laughs> throws a match? Siege of Feyrun, you won really, really uh, decisively. Now, when, it, whenever it was, I, it was luck. Whenever you make these 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 uh, little armies, because you have to make a team of cards, I think you get to choose up to eight or characters to to use as your little team, and then you have to you have a certain number of dice you can distribute among them if you use the the building it rules. But this thing doesn't come with enough characters to do. Each person has a team of eight. You get to do. Each person has a team of four, mm-hmm. and so what I really just did was just quickly go through the cards real quick, and. 
you have a certain cost on all of these dice to add them because this is a dice building game like a deck building game you start with both of you start with the same eight dice in your pouch and in this case you have your you have your own little team of dice that you try to purchase off the table and put into the bag that eventually you draw out and get to roll better dice right <clears throat> that represent creatures or heroes or that kind of thing and Whenever I build this, whenever I do a quick build, I don't really read the effects on the cards. I just start building like, okay, we need a cost two because it takes power rolled on the other dice to buy them. So you don't want very many that take more than four dice because that's all you roll each turn. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, okay, I want a, I want a two. I maybe want a three and a four and then maybe one, five or six. That's kind of how you would build a four person team. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and that's what I did. And evidently, I grabbed cards that really were amazing at lower levels for you, but not for me. Yeah. Mine were pretty run-of-the-mill. Yours had, like, Mine, all sorts of, like, roll more dice, roll that's, more dice. That's what I was going to say. Roll more dice. That was specifically the power I had that just killed it and mm-hmm. made it a luck game. Right. Because since mine gave me if – I, if I blocked with this one when you attack – um, then I would get to gain a die. Right. And if it turned out it was a special die, then I'd get to gain another die. Right, and this is whether you got so, knocked out or not. Your yeah. die could still be in play, and you would get another die drawn into your into your prep area so that you could roll it next turn with your four dice you would draw out of the yeah. bag. Yeah, so you decided you would just never attack me, ever. <clears throat> I, I had no option. Unless you could completely demolish me. So then it was just a back and forth of but see, this game, who's going to get the right dice first. <laughs> there's a momentum in this game, because when, when you play this game... You put these dice out, and they were, you put you play them to the field, and you pay energy to put them out on the field. Sometimes, sometimes they're free, and you get a little team of dice that represent creatures and heroes in front of you, and they have little stats, like a little attack and defense stat is all they have. And whenever you uh, attack with them, if they are knocked out, they go into a prep area where they get rolled with the four dice you're going to pull out of your bag next turn. However, if they do damage to the other player, they get put in the knocked out category and they have to cycle back around through your bag and be drawn back out again randomly mm-hmm. to come back into play. So doing a big attack against someone can really bolster their next roll because they'll get all the dice you knocked out plus all the four dice that they draw out of their bag. Plus you're getting extra dice whenever I whenever you defend it all with this bard character, <laughs> this elven bard. Mm-hmm. So you were at some point during the game you were rolling like 12, 13 dice on one roll. That happened like one time. I'm just saying at some point and it, it still build, wasn't even builds that like many. that. But yeah. that was the big grand finale. The grand finale was I rolled 13 dice because you couldn't actually take out all my guys and really do anything. And I rolled magically to get all my characters back into your depleted attackers mm-hmm. or defenders. And you could attack enough that you went right past everything. I don't know. I think that character is not <coughs> one that I want to play with again because it made Why? it. I don't know. It just made it feel like a luck game. I bet I could probably figure out some way around it. But mm. but it was pretty cool. It's not bad. There's like there's a couple elements about the Dungeons and Dragons version that make it a little different. For one, they have equip cards so that you could like uh, equip chainmail armor was one of the bar action cards mm-hmm. in the middle that you could attach to one of your characters. And now that just becomes this card or this die that just stays in your play area and never gets knocked out. Mm-hmm. According to the rules, and, and I, I checked p- people online because they don't the rule book that comes with it doesn't explain this well enough. That chainmail, if I destroyed your guy, would actually stay in the play. Hmm. It wouldn't. It wouldn't leave the play area. It would just oh, be yeah, able. To, you, can, you can actually attach it to another die and just keep it going. Yeah. So, <clears throat> it's kind of a kind of a crazy deal. What? Nothing. 
but the uh, it's kind of it's kind of a, a weird deal that you can do that and that, and they have a lot more gear, of course, because it's Dungeons and Dragons. Another thing they can let you do is some of the characters, especially the heroes, like you were using. A lot of them have a way to level up, and that you can actually turn your die to the next uh, face higher in some in some cases. That's another difference between the Dungeons and Dragons ones and the other ones. I didn't see that. <laughs> your dice were the cheap versions of whatever they were. Oh, is why, and I still whooped you. Well, I mean, with those effects. What was your other one? Your other your other good effect on your uh Oh, he'd add one attack to all, all of the, the other, other dice. dice, yeah. That is bonkers. 3 points and you got a guy who gets every die that you have in the field plus one attack. Mhm. That is insanity. What did yours have? You had like a dragon that I had did, one like- that was like automatically losing to coal. And another one that, no, Whatever. my biggest dragon was like, you can defend, you can rebound dragon breath effects and you had no dragons. Yeah. I wasn't going to help you. Yeah. It's terrible. Mm-hmm. My crew was, was pathetic. Mm-hmm. I took my ghetto blaster and my cardboard and went home, got schooled by you guys, got, got out danced. Is that like a break in two? Ah, come on. Break in two reference. That's an electric boogaloo reference. <laughs> <laughs> so Siege of Feyrun, I think it's probably going to be more of the same. Not going to be adding too much. Just going to expand a lot. They on kind of are to me, right? I don't know. Well, I still think the one that, that's kind of done this the best so far is the Dungeons and Dragons license, just because it, it seems to vary it quite a bit. I don't know. Personally, that's my preference. I in this still case. can't get past the fact that it doesn't make sense. Oh, that this is your big beef. It just, it does not (laughs) flow naturally for me. Like, I still have to have you tell me, okay, where does he go now? I fought with him. Where does he go? Is he knocked out? Or does he come in for later? Why why would he go prepping for later? I don't get it. I've tried to relate it in every way I can. (laughs) I know. I've tried to think of movie scenarios where that might have happened. It doesn't make sense. Thematically, it just, there's no reason why, hey, you were in that fight, but you didn't quite win, but now you're going to go prep for next time who got knocked out you just got knocked out because you won you try to make you you try to make too much sense out of the game itself the game is just the game i don't i don't know so so it's just you don't you got to stop taking just take the theme out of it and understand here's how the game works i I can't keep it up keep it i can't mm -mm. speaking of that thematically i can't remember who goes where because it doesn't make sense thematically this this doesn't feel like you're doing really anything except Rolling stat dice and comparing them to each other. Yeah, it feels exactly the same as the Marvel ones. Right. The, the theme is all going to be in the card powers or the individual dice powers. Yeah, it's more in the pictures. <laughs> but I, yeah, probably more in the pictures <laughs> than there is in the game. But I still play it, yeah. you know, with Did you. Did you understand it better this time than you did last time? Yeah, you still have to tell me who goes where after a fight, though. I don't know. Every time. Every time. I get it. But it obviously that. it didn't matter because I still won, so I'll take it. I, I can't believe that. I'll too. take a win wherever I, I can get it. I didn't like that. So, uh, what, what what else do we play, Nicole? Well, we played Steam Park again. Yeah, but we played it with Angela. What? I know. Wasn't that supposed to be a Matt and Brianna exclusive? Well, no, but they did play it with us <laughs> on episode two. I know. If you want to go back and hear the worst in-game audio we ever did, because yeah. we really, I should have wore headphones before we recorded. Well, who knew? <clears throat> it's episode two. It was episode two. <laughs> I feel bad when people go back and listen to episodes, you know, one and two, because it's like, eh, yeah, okay, these guys, those guys, yeah, it's like, or it might be like, oh, it's not too bad. Ooh, what happened? So, right. yeah, right. audio terrible. Right, be prepared for that. Yeah, what? So we played Steam Park with Angela. Mm-hmm. Now this is a revisit. We we did this as a featured game, 
And I kind of noticed over the last year that people this this really dwindled. The interest in this dwindled a lot. I don't know that it ever had a whole lot of interest to begin it with. It seemed to have a little bit of hype from like the big channels. They were kind of pushing it like, hey, this is a really neat game. Mm-hmm. What a fun little game, you know. And then it kind of, next thing you know, it's like half off on miniature market. Mm. <laughs> Selling out like, we got to get rid of it, you know. So what would you think of it after <clears throat> a year of non-play? I still think it's fun. I do too. I think people are crazy for not getting this game. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, yeah, yeah, it's, it's light. It, Great. Yeah, but it's easy to explain. Um, Visually, it's, it's pretty unique, uh, you know, inside of our collection because mm-hmm. you actually build these little three dimensional, you put these little three dimensional roller coasters around your park and you mm-hmm. have a little grid that you can expand on that you put little, uh, uh, little, what do they call them? The stands. Stands, right. <laughs> they had stands in there that were like casino and security and toilet and stuff like that. And you get to, uh, toilet. right. You get to make all these, you get to make your own little theme park, <laughs> this little three dimensional theme park sitting mm-hmm. right in front of you. And you get, to, you know, as it builds, you get to, your dice becomes way more complex to deal with because you can change stuff and alter how many times you get to do things. And, and you're trying to get little robot guys to ride your rides and you want to get the right color on right. there. Otherwise, if you, if you pull the wrong color, they won't even ride your ride unless you right. have a certain stand that'll say, oh, no, it's a PR stunt. Ride that ride. You know you want to. So There's tons of cool stuff in that yeah. game. There's little bonus cards that you're doing that are secret missions and I think, that get you extra dollars. And, I mean, it's just a, it's a race to make the most money and, and to you know clean up your park and you know get all the dirt out of it. Well, and I think the uh, rule book on that one is one of the most entertaining that I've ever read. Right. There's I all mean, sorts of like, little jokes and stuff. Yeah, it's awesome. And there's like, it'll tell you how to play just like, here's the easy version of it to play through your first time. And then right. tell you, you know, you can add this in and make it more complex. Mm-hmm. So I, it's really well done. It's fun. It's a fun little game. It's absolutely solid. Speaking of which, this little dice bag that I keep messing with, is that from that game? Did we forget to put it away? I don't know. No, it's I don't think really so. soft. I just it's keep not. holding it. <laughs> <laughs> it's a precious kitty. It's precious. <clears throat> so, Steam Park was pretty fun. Now, I ended up winning that game. I'm sorry. Eh. But I did. I think Angela was more upset than me. No, I don't. Was she? I don't, no. I don't think she was upset. She wasn't upset. <laughs> <laughs> we had so much other fun playing our other game. We played mm-hmm. that game day, but we'll talk about that later. The uh, <clears throat> So, Steam Park... Totally solid dice game, mm-hmm. frantic dice rolling. Then you use them to do all your actions on your turn and try to keep your park clean and have the most money at the end of the game and you win. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the game, everybody has their own little theme park with little robot riders on it. And there's a, there's a bag that you have that's full of little people that you're trying to draw out randomly to put on the rides. It's so mm-hmm. much fun. It's a good game. Totally solid. Still recommended. Absolutely. <laughs> Still played. Mm-hmm. So the last thing I played this week, and now you didn't get a chance to do this, Mm-mm. was Lords of Scotland. I don't even know what I that is. I played this with Travis. <clears throat> it's a, uh, it's like a card game that has like some, I'm going to be terrible at describing this because I played it so fast one night. <laughs> <laughs> but it's it's got like a, a bunch of suits and the suits represent different clans and the different clans have different effects. And every turn you have, a, you have a hand of these clansmen that are not – I know it came out bad, <laughs> especially on Freedom, the <laughs> oh, Underground God, Railroad no. episode. <laughs> but you have these different Scottish clans and you have a whole handful of members of different ones. This is, this is what it is. Okay, I'm listening. <clears throat> and you are trying to play these cards down to have the most points because every turn you're, you're doing a skirmish with the other player. 
And so you're trying to score, have the most number of points on these, these clan cards mm-hmm. on the table. And each one of them has an effect. And as long as you're playing a number that's smaller than the card that was played, that, than any other card on the table, the effect goes off. And it might be something like draw an extra guy from the, you know, the, you know, draw an extra card from the deck. Or whenever you do this action, you get to do this action twice. And, and, or, or at the end of the turn, you get to take two scoring cards rather than one scoring card. <clears throat> and so you're playing all these like, like cards down and you're trying to play underneath someone and you're locking them out of powers and you're trying to decide when to do that because you can play the next one in line or you can jump it way down. Like if someone plays, let's say, a 12 down to the table, then you could play a 4 on your turn and get the power. He'd get the power of the 12. You'd get the power of the 4. But now he, all the rest of his cards, let's say, are above 4. So he can play them, but he won't get the effect of any of the cards other than just the strength bonus. Hmm. And it's every turn you play all your cards out like that. Mm-hmm. You don't draw back up at the end of your turn. You have to take an action on your turn to draw back up. And every turn is every round is five turns long. And at the end of five turns, you add up all your strength points on all your guys on the table. And then you, the person who's in first place gets to take the one of the two scoring cards or one of however many players you get that many scoring cards every turn that get flipped face up, which are the same cards as you played for strength. Only now they're going to go from, to, from that scoring area to a victory pile. Hmm. And those become your points that you score every round. The first person to 40 points wins the game. <clears throat> it's pretty cool. Is it just exclusively two players? No, you can play multiple. I think it's up to five. Does it change points that you're supposed to get to when you change the number of players? No, it's still 40 points. I think it probably just elongate the game. Hmm. But it's still it's still pretty fun. It plays pretty quick. Even even with uh, with Travis there, it played pretty fast. <laughs> even with Travis, huh? <laughs> yeah, we, we played it. We played it. We didn't quite finish the game because we were right before this meeting that we were doing like an audiovisual for he Travis works with me, obviously. And we're getting ready to do audiovisual for this, this, uh, uh, Kansas city school district meeting. Exciting. <laughs> I know so much fun. <clears throat> and so we were trying to play in that small gap between when we set things up and the show starts. And we got to, I, I, I had like 33 points at the end. So it was, hmm. it was 33 to like seven. So you just assumed you were going to win. He wasn't going to make a comeback. I, I asked him if he wanted to try to play one more round later on to see if I was going to make a comeback, and, and he didn't. Because something else you can do is if if all of the guys you play to the t- to the table are the same color, that's another thing. <clears throat> if all the if all of them you play to the table are the same color, you can double the amount of strength points. And once you start, like if you're not going to take the power of the effect, you can actually play those cards face down to the table. So that when, at the end of the turn, nobody knows really what you have on the table. Hmm. So they can't really play to just the score. Hmm. If you play it face up is the only way you can get the power on the card. But if you play it face down, you can you can forgo the power and keep your points hidden every turn, every round as well. Hmm. Pretty solid little sneaky. game. It, was, it wasn't too expensive either. I think it was on Amazon. I think it was less than 15. Oh, wow. <clears throat> so it's not it's, it's a small game. It's a it's a backpack size game. And because of those multiple card powers and the whole thought process of when to play them face up, when to play them face down, you know, what number should I jump to or not? You know, should I should I shut him out of powers and stuff like that? And one of my powers was to grab two victory cards. Well, we we're only playing two people. So there's two victory cards in the victory pile every round. Hmm. And whenever whenever you get done getting those victory cards, you then set back up the game again to play another round and you just keep going until someone hits 40. Hmm. Pretty solid game. Not bad. <clears throat> Recommended if you're like looking for something that's like, uh, le- I mean, seriously, the game has like two pages of rules. That's always nice. Right. For two, that and type there are of... two of those little mini fold up 
booklet pages. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So you can learn this pretty quick. Okay. So recommend it if you want to go down that road. We'll play it. Don't worry. Now, Nicole, you posted our guild, didn't you? I I did. I don't normally do that, but because computers. All right. That just became a peaked interest. Wow. Would you look at that? Magnificent. Here are some peaked interests. All right. Nicole, what did you say on the guild? I just asked what distracts you from playing games. Yeah. Just to see if it's the same stuff that distracts us from playing games. <laughs> what dist- well, Do you want to get into what we distracted us? Or do you want to get into the answers first? I don't Either way. What do you want to do? Here's the biggest thing I think I know that distracts yeah. us. What? TV. You think so? Yes. That's number one. <clears throat> I think so. Well, that no, nah, that or the dog. Yeah. Because you'll get off work. I'll get off work, assuming we get off work at a normal time. Mm-hmm. Get home. You got to take care of the dog. Okay, so we take her for a walk, go out, play fetch, whichever we do. Then you have to have some dinner. Okay, so we're going to have dinner. Guess what happens? The TV comes on. You sit down, and you don't really get back up. To go play games. Right, because, you know, we've both worked all day, and then we've, you know, come home and immediately do something with the dog because the dog becomes a maniac if we don't exercise her. She's cute, <clears throat> and she deserves it. Right. And then if she doesn't, she gets really huffy and really needy. That's true. So you take 30 minutes at the front so that she doesn't spread out torture over the course of two hours. <laughs> <clears throat> Pay attention to me. Right. So... <clears throat> So we do that. Then you then you fill up your belly with food after you've just worked all day and played with a dog. And then you sit down on the couch and start watching TV and that food starts digesting. And then all of a sudden you're like, I don't feel like I could read a rule book. Mm-hmm. Right? Although we'll still play ping pong a little bit. That's usually while the dinner's cooking. That's true. It's still fun, though. Yeah. So, so I was just curious if it was the same <laughs> kind of stuff for other people. Well, here's what we got, okay? And I'm not going to go into individuals, Okay. The most given answer was kids and family, and that was about 57% listed that. That's pretty much the same with us with the dog. Right. Uh, She's just a furry kid. They also said family time, too. Mm -hmm. Now, you and I consider board gaming family time, so we don't really include that in that distraction. We're saying that's part of our family time. True. (laughs) We just don't decide to do it sometimes. That's right. Uh, The second most was a tie between television... And work done at, on or at their home. So either they're working still when they get home from work, they, they get called by the office or whatever, or they're getting home and having to do chores at the house. See, and I think we're both pretty <clears throat> fortunate in that, that we don't usually have to do work at home. Right. Yours is just, if the work's not done, you just don't get to come home. So right. there's that. <clears throat> 47 or 43% gave those answers. Okay. Now, I would put this at the top of my list just because my job varies from about 45 to 90 hours per week. Okay? Mm-hmm. And I know that seems like I would be ridiculous to even try to do board games as a hobby or a podcast. But you are ridiculous. <laughs> How works. dare you? Uh, but uh, really, on the average week, I work around 65 hours. Mm-hmm. That's probably about normal. And when I do get home, it's usually the dog, and then it's food. And then television is probably – that's probably the one that lures me away the most mm-hmm. because that's that gap where if I just stop the television right there and then segue to the next room, 
Then all I have to do is learn how to play the game and then come drag you off your iPad and then <laughs> and then play a game, right? Because mm-hmm. you play games on your iPad endlessly. It's well, pretty much every gap of your day. It's I would your say fault. you I, bought it. For I know, me. but I would say you play your iPad more than you watch TV. It's uh, yeah, yeah, because I do it at the same time. <clears throat> right now, the third one was books. If you can believe it, twenty eight percent forgo games to read. I can't. I can't do it, man. I fall asleep. Right. That's like bedtime I like reading. For me. <laughs> yeah, I I like reading. I love books, but I just <clears throat> I'll I'll do like a page and a right. half, and boom, I'm asleep. Right. It's always been kind of a wind down thing for me. So I don't know. I just got so much going on till then. It takes me like months and months, right, to get through a book, and that's just because I will fall asleep. I mean, I listen to books, but I treat it like I mean, I'll do those books on tape or whatever oh, yeah. not tape, but audiobooks. I did. I did a couple of those. But those <clears> are really expensive. Some of them aren't. Sometimes you'll find ones that are like a few years old, and they'll have them for Audible. Have them for like ten bucks. Oh yeah. I always forget. Well, I was okay because I worked at the bookstore, yeah. so I'm thinking about like bringing home CDs, no way, books. Yeah, I, well, no way. That's collecting stuff. I know. <laughs> I don't do it anymore. Now there was one response that broke your heart, Nicole. Mm-hmm. What was it? Spouse doesn't like board games. Rodney, I felt bad. I'm like trying to think of ways that <laughs> you know to get her into it or something. Yeah? You got any tips for Rodney and his spouse well, that doesn't like board games? I don't know her very well. I've always liked board games. I just never had anyone to play with me. So, I don't know. I was just, by default, going to like them Yeah, to a certain extent. Not your role-playing games. I don't like those. Come on. But I think just trying to find maybe <laughs> a, a subject to something that she actually likes and see if there's a board game out there to match it. Right. Or just say, hey, I know you really like fill-in-the-blank. I'm going to go do fill-in-the-blank with you this weekend. Do you want to play this board game with me? You know, that right. kind of thing. But I don't know. Right. Just you felt- love growing vegetables. Let's play Agricola. Shut <laughs> up. You like making dinner for the family. <laughs> Let's play Agricola. That's just weird. Why would you even say that? <laughs> because Agricola, you have to feed your family. That's yeah. the scariest part of that game. Every turn, you're like, am I going to have everybody starve and lose points? Yeah, I wouldn't start it with Agricola. <laughs> That's no, a that's a surefire way to scare somebody off. What? I think so. I think so too. It's too daunting. Right. It's, it's really dry, <laughs> very mechanical. I mean, it's fun. I like it, but you know. Well, Rodney, you mm. can report to your wife that she, that she broke Nicole's heart. <laughs> <laughs> no, I just feel bad though. I mean, I'm I'm really thankful that you know we are able to do this hobby together. Right. You know, I, it would be kind of a bummer if if we if one of us was really into it and the other one was just like meh. You mean like. Before pandemic, <laughs> I tried. Well, that's, that was the D and D stuff, though. It's not the board gaming play stuff. That was the Warhammer stuff. Oh God, I tried to get into it. I play. I painted little miniatures. Even I tried really hard. <laughs> Too bad. I, I painted one whole miniature. <clears throat> I thank you for your honesty. She was terrible. So I anyway, thank you for your honesty about that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Most wives would just blow smoke up your butt and make <laughs> you think that <laughs> they like it, but not mine. Honesty. Well, I love it. Uh, yeah, I honestly don't like it, but I, I honestly did try. So there you anyway. go. Anyway, so we still try to fit in as many games as possible, uh, like the one we played this week. It's a cooperative game based historically on the mid to late 1800s United States, and it focuses on saving slaves from the South 
and the laws that surround the abolition of slavery in the United States. Let's find out what about that. All these games have Okay, Nicole. Mm-hmm. So many people don't realize <coughs> that December of last year was actually the 150th anniversary of the 13th Amendment to the Constitution. Now, it's the one that says, neither slavery nor involuntary servitude, except as a punishment for a crime whereof the party shall have been duly convicted, shall exist within the United States or any place subject to their jurisdiction. 150 years. Now, it took almost two years for that to become ratified after its proposal in 1864. That's actually before the end of the Civil War. So let's ask a question right now up front. Okay. Why did the early United States use slaves, and why were they African? I have no idea. You have no idea. I'm not very good at history. Well, I think the funny thing is is that the answer is, as most things early in our country history— It came from Europe. It's it's as simple as that. Hmm. Specifically, the Dutch were the first ones to deliver a ship of slaves to Jamestown, Virginia in 1619, though Great Britain was our largest supplier of slaves. So it seems really strange. Right. It it was culture that just got transferred over here. Hmm. Now, the uh, earliest records of slavery dates back to 1754 BC. Just so you know, it's been around for years, thousands and thousands of years. I'm sure Uh, there was... Slavery before that, but... Well, this is the earliest record that they've found, like, because they, they actually found a stone. Uh, it was in the Mesopotamia kind of region, which is like the Middle East, uh, called the Code of Hammurabi. Hmm. Now, Hammurabi was the sixth Babylonian king, and the code is 200-plus laws with their punishment breaking, like, for breaking them, and it's actually split between slave or non-slave and all of those crimes. So... That's that's how long slavery's been around. Now, slavery is a common practice for many ancient cultures, as a result of war, uh, as a result of war, because they basically take these refugees, mm-hmm. and there's countless wars like this, like Muslims fighting Christians and taking Christians as slaves, etc. And Africa was a nation of tribes that were in constant conflict, and they would actually sell these prisoners of war for goods. Hmm. So it was like they you would just pull up with like a ship of things they needed. Like, here's some sugar. How many slaves can we get for this sugar? And they would say 20 and then just shove them on the boat. Hmm. So it wasn't quite like, you know, I mean, for the most part, most of the trade was was like this. This kind of default or like this kind of byproduct of war, to be honest. <clears throat> so it was as simple as that is that Africa was selling and people were buying. Hmm. I'm just going to hmm a lot through this one because I don't have much to put in. <laughs> that's fine. That's fine. Now, here's a crazy fact. Now, as I said, slaves began to arrive around 1619. That's when they started arriving in the United States. Okay. Now, by the time we had our Constitution, slavery was actually dying out in the United States. It was because it was almost gone in the North and plunging tobacco prices in the South had made it really hard to afford slaves in the South. Because they just, you know, picking tobacco and, 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 and getting it ready to go just was too easy to do. And it didn't, and basically you had all these slaves that had to do it, but it wasn't making you any money. So it was on the way out. However, a man that I am supposedly related to, and I can't trace this lineage, I, don't, I didn't ask my parents to find out how, but supposedly related to Eli Whitney, 
changed all that by inventing a cotton gin. Now, he did this indirectly. In, in 1793, he invented the cotton gin, which basically cotton was like this really hard to produce product because there's, it, it, you know, it's a plant that pop, this hard like kind of shell pops open and there's like a cotton inside and you have to remove these seeds out of. And the seeds have to be removed by hand. Well, the that cotton is gin, not easy. <clears throat> it's not. And the cotton gin basically did this quickly. It didn't do a whole lot of it, but it did it did it well enough that Eli Whitney sold out. He couldn't keep up with how much demand there was for this cotton gin, right? And suppose, and basically, in the north, cotton doesn't really grow very well, but in the south, it grows really well. Mm-hmm. And so suddenly, this this ability to process cotton and produce this textile, this this thing that everybody needed a lot of and quickly. Well, now we need more slaves all of a sudden because we need to pick more cotton. We need to get this in here and we need to get it produced so we can get our farms back on track financially. And so the demand for slaves went through the roof because of this invention. And the guy, I mean. So you would think it would almost be opposite because it was able to to do it automatically. You think it would devalue cotton, but the demand was already so great. So indirectly, Eli Whitney sort of made this made the slave trade kind of reinvigorated it. That's a bummer. But here's what's well, it's also kind of kind of a bummer is that Eli Whitney struggled to get a patent done for this cotton gin, and, and he put the patent out, and everybody copied it so fast and kind of ripped off his design and started producing their own that by the time he got it, like started like getting people charged for stealing this and get, got it officially that this is his and you can't have it. The demand had already died back down again, and he was so mad about the whole thing that he started doing rifles. He started making rifles, and he's actually credited with doing interchangeable parts. That was one of his big things was was making these parts on these guns that could be pulled off and replaced quickly so that if something was broken, you could have a working gun again really quick. Isn't that terrible? <laughs> so that's kind of what happened. But here's the thing. Denmark and Norway were the, the, I guess it's kind of the same area at the time. They were the first Europeans to abolish the international slave trade. They did so in 1803. They basically just said, no more slaves are boating in here. This is ridiculous. We're not doing this. They were the, the, now, the first culture in history to abolish slavery was the Chinese. That was around 200 BC, but they flip-flopped many times after that. Like, in fact, the, at the point that, that the Denmark-Norway was saying, we're not going to accept this anymore, it was still legal in China. Hmm. <laughs> so uh, Great Britain, held, would, they would actually hold out till about 1807 before they would. But before 1807, <clears throat> they had anti-slavery laws already in the late 1700s that basically said, if you bring a ship of slaves, and, or ship of slaves into our country, the moment that slave sets foot on our ground, they're instantly a free man. Hmm. And they already had those laws in place. But they weren't really restricting their guys taking boats from Great Britain to Africa, picking up slaves and taking them to the United States. Mm. There was no restriction on that. They did that in 1807. Okay, so what are the key moments then in U.S. abolition? So you read the Constitution, and it does say that all men are created equal. In a country with slaves, exactly what does that mean when they say all men then, right? And it turns out the Constitution was pinned and states – Immediately, like when it was pinned, immediately states begin sort of trying to figure out a way to abolish slavery Mm -hmm. and get rid of the hypocrisy of it. Now, starting with the British colonies banning Atlantic slave trade. So they actually say we don't want any more ships coming in with slaves. They just they say that no more coming in any of these states. We don't want them. Get your boats out of here. We don't we're not accepting any more. Massachusetts actually started an abolition society in 1775 
And by 1783, both Massachusetts and Connecticut have begun like a gradual abolition of slavery, like trying to do like a reduction kind of effect, followed by Rhode Island and New York. But what state is the first state to actually say no more slaves? It's Ohio. They wrote their state constitution in 1802 and said slavery will not be illegal, will be will not be legal in Ohio, period. Hmm. Right from the get get go. So kudos to Ohio, right? Now, anti-slavery really caught, like European trading country countries, <clears throat> caught like caught caught on with them. For the next fifty years, there's a ton of treaties. I mean, I mean, I can't go over them all here. Please don't. I know <laughs> <laughs> because they they start bans on slaves and, and they have like all these these treaties between countries where they're like, we're not going to do it anymore if you don't do it anymore. And they're like, okay, we won't do it anymore. And they have all these weird so <clears throat> sort of weird. deals, right? And the United States sort of continues its – during this like 50-year time though, the United States continues its path, path down that individual states taking steps to stop slavery, but the federal government reserving itself to just ceasing the trafficking in and out of the country. So they were saying you can't t- – slaves can't leave our states and they can't come in. We're just going to lock the doors and just keep it inside and we'll figure it out. But for some reason, it protects the inside borders, even putting up like these – uh, these fugitive slave laws of 1850, for instance, which requires the return of escaped slaves back to owners. Hmm. So even if a guy gets to a free state and says, I'm free, I'm in a free state. And he's like, no, somebody owns you. You have to go back. And they would just remove them. It was horrible. <clears throat> now, in, in, of course, in, in 1857, of course, the Dred Scott case, which is probably the most despicable, that basically stated that slaves were subhuman and not covered under constitutional law. And that's a real thing, too. So now in 1861, civil war broke out in the states as the government kind of struggled to maintain the union. But this was like uh, – this wasn't just about slavery. There was disputes between state rights. There were tariffs. And there was, of course, slavery as well that kind of led to this, this sort of dissension. And in 1863, President Lincoln uh, actually issued the Emancipation Proclamation declaring that the fighting states no longer had the right to have slaves at all. Mm-hmm. Although, if you weren't fighting, you did. <laughs> so it was sort of a weird <clears throat> kind of like, I don't know, just sort of a shove, you know, but not really like anything that was like, none of those states are going to listen anyways. They're already fighting with us, you know? Well, yeah. <clears throat> he could have abolished it in all the states, you know, instead. So it's kind of a weird thing, but he's trying to maintain some sort of like, you know, balance to his presidency where he's not exactly the most popular guy. So five years later, the war ends, and the 13th Amendment is added to the Constitution. Now, here's the, here's the, the real grim thing of it, is when did the rest of the world follow suit? The truth is, is they didn't. So slavery is still alive and well in Africa and India. India has an estimated 14 million slaves. China has roughly 3 million, uh, though slavery is abolished in China. The last country in the world to abolish slavery. See, all these countries have abolished slavery, but they still kind of have the practices going on. Well, I'm sure that just because, you know, people being taken against their will, forced into situations. Right. You know. Uh, The last country is uh, Mauritania or Mauritania in Africa. It's It's a northwest like country in Africa. In 2007 is when they abolished slavery. Hmm. Just so you get a sense of how... Still That's how new recent. this stuff yeah. is, is you know. And right now, it's estimated that 4% of their population are actually slaves. Even though it's... It's it's like 1 in illegal. 20. You can walk down the street and 1 out of every 20 people is a slave. That's crazy. Right. <clears throat> so 
here's the this is the thing. It may not be quite like uh, you're shackled in you know in the fields in the plantation right now. It's not quite like that. A lot of these are bonded labor, labor, which is probably the most common version of slavery right now, beyond human trafficking, you know, like uh, kidnappings and stuff like that, and forced mm-hmm. marriages and that kind of stuff. Uh, <clears throat> this is like owing a debt and being forced to work for free, well past repayment. So it's sort of like charging your MasterCard and then you are their slave until they say so, which everybody knows paying off a credit card takes a long time because the deal they work out is like, you know, your $300 payment will keep breaking up into small chunks until you've paid us for five years to pay off a $300 payment, you know? Well, and you'll never pay it off if you just pay the minimum. Right. It's like that, except they're being forced into a situation where the only thing they can earn is the minimum and they'll never get out of it. Right. Uh, slavery kind of hopefully a little well i don't know it's just such a weird concept to me right of trying to own somebody like that i don't know right now uh, slavery it'll just finish like this slavery is a system uh, of labor that has existed for thousands of years and it seems as prevalent today uh in today's world as it has as it was 200 years ago which is when this game we're talking about took place not even quite uh, we as Americans know the benefit of equal citizens, and we see the evidence that, of that in every generation as we continue to integrate and to become one people and hope that cultures engaging in slavery practices will one day follow suit. It's a very grim subject, and it's a grim game this week. The following is a true recount of a board gaming session. It is not merely a conversation. It contains the actual sounds of components, success and failure, and in-the-moment emotions from the incident itself. The archivists of this audio would like to remind the faint of heart that the people involved are not rules experts, did not design the game, and do not always play nice. No one was murdered in the playing of this game. All right, Nicole. Freedom the Underground Railroad. Now, this is a cooperative board game released by Academy Games, a company known for its historical accuracy, and this game is no exception. The goal of the players in this game is to help slaves residing in the southern states, plantations, escape into Canada before losing too many. The number of slaves that must make it varies based on the number of players and one of two difficulties that you can choose to play at the start of the game. Now, each turn begins by rolling the slave catcher dice. These cause a catcher to move randomly along its preset route across the country. Players then begin planning together based on what, uh, what is that? What sort? <laughs> what resources are available to what them? Ounces are available. I don't even know what that means. <laughs> don't make means. fun of me. My Typo. typing's bad. Obviously. <laughs> what ounces are available to them? Resources. Uh, this could be a fundraiser, purchasing the means to move slaves, or buying uh, political support. Now, after collecting money, the players then move slaves from the south to the north using movement points gained in the planning phase. This is easier said than done, because the randomly, randomly moving across the nation based on these two on two dice roll onto the four slave catchers that if they land on you, cause your slaves to be loaded back onto the next shipment of slaves entering the south. Now, the game is broken between three historical times, and each has its own deck of cards that relate to those periods. Now, the players take turns, in order, moving slaves north, raising funds, and avoiding catchers. Once once each player has used two actions and purchased an abolitionist card, new boats fill into the plantations and end the turn. All right. 
Hmm. How fast was that? That was faster <laughs> than I'd been doing, so. You're welcome. You can do the rules for a while. <laughs> Never. <laughs> so, uh, one thing that is about this game is kind of neat is you do get to have individual character powers. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I remember you played the preacher mm-hmm. and your character was able to purchase abolitionist card at cards at a $1 discount. And you got like, what was it? A, a you got, Oh, you, if you had used like some ability to automatically get a card or remove a card from the queue, well, no, you could recycle it back into the deck from the discard or something like that. Couldn't you? <clears throat> I could get rid of one of the opposition cards. Okay. But I could only do that once per game. <clears throat> but after that happened, you flipped your card over then and, I would and your get power changed. You'd get $2, $2. per turn instead right. of $1 whenever we started our action phase. And I'd still get a dollar discount. And you still got your $1 discount. Now, I was like, cards. wasn't I like the conductor or something like that? You were the like conductor. That? Now, as the conductor, I got to move two slaves one space each every turn. However, I, w- my superpower was if it, once per game I could decide to move any slave any any amount of slaves up to five spaces total. Mm-hmm. So I could move one five spaces, one four and one one, or five of them one. <clears throat> Basically that. And if I used that when I flipped it over, mine got dramatically worse. Like all of a sudden, I'm only moving one slave one space per turn. Mm-hmm. So. Those were our two abilities at the start, and let's just hear how the start of the game sounds. So, you're first player. No, you're first player. I you said, said you, you were first player. No, I player. said you first. First. Why? Because it'll pass to me after. Okay, so go ahead. Fine. You do first. It's been. I'm I do. You. you read Here we the go. Rules. I'm rolling these dice. Roll the dice. Okay, this so is the first phase. We still do the slave catcher phase, right. even on the first turn. Right. Here we go. The That's slave catcher insane. phase. <clears throat> Brown guy moves three spaces towards the filled-in arrow. Which would be this guy, and he would go one. Does he go? Well, there's a different one too that he could go to. Not towards the the filled in arrows. He in, has to go this way. Oh, on the brown track. So he just runs. Got in, it. He just dead ends himself. So he does that. That's fine. Well, he can't him. move any further. No, he moved as far as he goes. That's it. So where does he go the other way? So he can only move back and forth between where he's at and right here. Right. That's his. That's his little territory. Got he tries it. To cover. Okay? So that's it. Yep. He's done. That's the end of the slave catching phase. Now, you do have $8, just so you know. Yeah, I got that. <clears throat> okay, so planning phase, we get to take up to two tokens. So, <coughs> and neither one of us can ever trade money, just so you know. Okay. So, obviously, we can't afford a support token because we only have 8 bucks and we need 10 for that. Right. So, what's up with the fundraising? Well, here's what I would do. This is what I think we should do. I should probably buy a couple of move slaves around tokens. And you should get maybe a move slaves around token and a fundraising token because you'll be the second player in this phase. That means okay. that the most potential for slaves to be in the green states, which is how you're going to cash in, is on is will be during your turn. Okay. 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 So I'm going to spend. This is what I'm going to do. This is crazy. You're crazy. I'm spending four dollars. Four on oh. two movement tokens. Okay, so you get two of them, the top right. two. Yep. And that's all I can do. Give, and me a, give me a dollar back, banker. <laughs> okay. You're a banker. It's your turn. What are you doing? That's it? That's all I do for planning. I can only buy two tokens oh, of any okay. of those types. Then, and you said you want me to buy one of these and do a fundraiser. I want you to take your turn, but that seems like the best move. Okay, you well, can't afford that top one. I'll be much more likely to take my turn on my own next well, turn. I'm tell you that so, you and I... Okay. If you think that makes We're sense. We're going to be at odds. Can I flip this over? Is it the same on both sides? Yeah. Oh. It tells you that 
on uh, what does it say? Green spaces. Green spaces give me monies. Right. So whatever whatever space on the board when you play that fundraiser token, you can play two tokens every turn. Whatever space that's on, or however many spaces green spaces are filled with slaves, mm-hmm. you'll be able to uh, get money for them. Get a dollar a piece for them. Got those. it. Cool, okay. Right? Okay. So that's so, <clears throat> it for the planning phase, right? Right. Okay. So I feel like I alphaed you a little bit on that clip, but. Really, that that sound that is pretty much how planning goes in this game, right? Just I mean, trying to figure out. Well, you've especially- got a certain amount of money, mm-hmm. you know, and you're like, well, I've got these limited number of chips per age, and I need to buy how many of them? I can buy two of them. You can buy two of them, and that's going to leave less next turn. Mm-hmm. So it's it's pretty simple as far as early planning goes, especially this planning phase where all you're doing is looking at chips. I never found that to be the harder, like a harder part of the game. No. <clears throat> pretty simple. But that's that's pretty much what you're doing. You've got these chips, and you've got, uh, in later ages, you have two different choices of you move this many slaves, this many spaces, or this that many slaves, that many spaces. Mm-hmm. So it'll be like four of them, one space, and two or two of them, two space. Right. Which, and they all cost the same. <clears throat> but that's so, not available until, like, the second round. Right. The first right. This first round that we were doing, it was three slaves, one space. That was your only your option. that's your only option. Right. And you have these fundraising cards that that, rep- that do relate to how many green spaces you have slaves on on the board. Yeah, and the southern <coughs> states have, like, green spaces. The northern states have blue. Right. Now, after you get done with this planning phase, it leads to an action phase where we get to move uh, slaves and actually get access to the abolition cards. So let's let's hear about some of those. Theodore Weld, move one slave from any plantation to a southern space. Now, these are plantations right here. Got it. With no effect. That's a pretty good one. That's not bad. What else we got? What does it do? Move one? Yeah, that? it just moves one of these out. So, because if you move, then, like, if you move one here, then purple's automatically going to move one space toward you, right? No, not no, here. But here, here you would. Yep. Okay, gotcha. What else we got over there, Nicole? Um, the personal liberty laws. Right. At the start of the slave catcher phase, discard this card to skip the phase. And you play it from your reserve, so you buy it and you get to hold on to it. But those other ones have to happen, like, at that time, right? They happen immediately. Okay. Yeah, so, like, that one that said I could buy a support token, I can't afford a support token right now. If I had bought nothing during the phase, I could have bought a support token already. Right, you did not pay enough attention. I should have paid more attention. And it says, uh, personal liberty laws were passed by northern states in an effort to defend against the injustices of the Fugitive Slave Acts of 1793 and 1850. Hmm. Uh, then we've got the Liberator. Place one card in the Abolitionist queue back on top of the current Ages Abolitionist deck. Well, that's kind of nice, because then we could get that one for later. Yeah, because it goes back on top. Because that's a good card. Yeah, it goes back on top, and then we, we get it for later. That. We can wait that. But on this that is only going to cost me a dollar. Right. Okay, well, I mean, there you go. And the Liberator, an Abolitionist newspaper published by William Lloyd Garrison, ran continuously for 35 years. Cool. Hmm. What's the last one? Uh, Samuel Joseph May. You get an extra dollar for any slaves in spaces connected to New York. Well, we're nowhere near New York, that so one's, that one's nothing. A good friend of William Lloyd Garrison may helped found the New England, the American, and the Massachusetts anti-slavery societies. All right, this is what I'm gonna do. One dollar. There you go. Thank you. And I buy this card right here. Theodore you World. buy Theodore World, okay. Right, this just gets discarded, but uh, immediately move a slave from any any plantation to a southern space. 
Now, it does say southern space with no effect, but I guess you have to follow a route. I don't know. <clears throat> I can't. It just says any southern space, so you could move it up here if does you it wanted say to. Any? It just says to a southern space with no effect. Move it from a plantation, so it has to come from one of these three, and it just says to a southern space, so I would imagine if you wanted to, you could put it up here. I bet I got clarification in the back of this book. Okay. Roll check. Where's my jingle? Shut up. <laughs> What's it called again? Uh, Theodore Weld. What's the color on the top? Green. Blue. Move, it's blue. It just says move one slave from any plantation to a southern space with no effect. But it says a southern space, so that would be any southern space. All right, then. With no effect means that they means won't actually have to, they won't get to move. Right, but it also means if you went in the city, you wouldn't get the money, so I wouldn't so, do that. Well, I'm going to do that right there. Yeah, exactly. That's perfect. That right. gets him real close and to... And the purple doesn't get to move. Right. So that's that's that. So, I mean, you could hear, every card in this game has historical information on it. Mm-hmm. Every one of them. Yeah. <clears throat> and I, because of the theming of the game... I mean, you do feel a little more obligated to read it, where it's not its not necessary that you read it to proceed in the game. But it's interesting information, and it kind of makes you go, well, I don't know anything about that. Maybe I should look that up. It's interesting because you're like, you can see, like, in, throughout the entire game, you can actually understand why that card exists in the game. Yeah. <clears throat> Which is totally different than most games. Most games, you're just like, oh, yeah, that card's in this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this one actually has some sort of backing to say, this is why this card exists in this game, period. Yeah. Uh, now, cards are the real balance of the game. <coughs> because as I said, you have these you have these tokens, and they're very limited. Mm-hmm. And after they run out, like the movement tokens, for instance, run out, and there's one little token left, and that token comes back every turn, but you only have one movement token you get to buy every turn until you buy the support tokens to go to the next little era right. of years. So the, and like my character, like said, he can't move without one of those movement tokens. <clears throat> right. Whereas yours can, but right. not much. But this is like a, this is one of these things that those are what offset that effect. But now you're buying cards and you're hoping the right ones come up. Mm-hmm. Now they're also a sliding market. So every turn you have these, you have the three dollar card. You have a couple two dollar cards and a couple of one dollar cards. And all the cards at the end of the turn slide to fill in towards the $1 cards and new ones come in to the more expensive spaces. And so you're constantly just trying to, you know, afford something at the right time. So it's, it's like sometimes you're like looking at something like I could really use that right now. But if I wait a turn, it's going to be a dollar, you know. Right. <laughs> so, I mean, the cards, cards are actually very important in this. And that's where, that's where all of the historical information in this game really is contained. Mm-hmm. Now, we are on the first turn of eight. So let's see if some results begin to show. So it's my turn. Yeah. So I get a – no, wait. Okay, I got to go in order, right? Play a conductor and or fundraising token. Right. Well, I guess I will play a conductor token okay. first. <clears throat> you can take all of these in any order, though. Okay, yeah, so that's good. Okay, well, then I'm going to do my fundraiser. I'm going to do my preacher phase first, my preacher guy first. So I get a dollar. That's good. Okay. Ta-da. Great. I get to buy an abolitionist card for minus a dollar. So you're going to spend $1 to save $2 on a token. No, I was going to spend $1 
to do the liberator and put that one back here so that right. later on we can get that ad- advantage of... Right, and what that does is saves $2 on a support token. So you're basically saving $1 on a support token at that point. True. I don't know if it's worth it. Maybe not. Probably not. Probably not. It'd you're probably right. be better to do that other card, that $2 one. That $2 other, one? Yeah, the one you can save. I'm going to get it for a dollar later, though. You'll get it for free if you wait one turn. That's what I'm saying. I'll get it for free. Okay, we'll do what you want. Just don't do the New York one. We're not anywhere near there. New York. Well, then maybe I should just use the Theology <coughs> Seminary one because then I can actually move two, space, two slaves one space. That's good. Because we're not going to get that other benefit anyway. It's going to go away if I, don't lo- if I don't use it. Get it then. It's free. Okay. I'm going to do that for free. Okay. So I get to move two slaves one space each. All right. Okay. So. We can save one right now. But you are going to fundraise at the end of this turn, too. I know. i got to get some people on the green here. Right. So. But I'm afraid that he's going to get caught if I don't right. save him. him out of there. Okay. Move him up. Save him for one. Boom. First turn saved. Good. Okay. And then for two, I guess I'll just take someone from the Texas, Louisiana, put him up in Arkansas, and then that card's done. Okay, so then with my little token. You can move three of them one space, which you have one, two, three open spaces right there if you want. That'll, that'll maximize your fundraising you're about to do and make sure we get a support token at the next turn. Okay, so if I do one out of the Mississippi, Alabama. I do two of them out of there. One to there, the one Tennessee, there. that doesn't do anything. And then do one over here will actually activate yellow. yellow. Okay. And what do I do for the third one, then? This one can go over here to Charleston. Well, that's still not a green space, Yes, though. it is. It's a green background. Oh, so that still counts? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep, just like these are blue backgrounds, and those are nothing. But that's oh. for St. Louis is a green background. And it would get me $2. If you went to St. Louis. Except but... it wouldn't get me that, which will still get me $1. Right. You'll get 2 bucks eventually. Okay, take somebody from Georgia and put them in South Carolina. Okay. So that's done. Okay, and then I get to do my fundraising. So I get a dollar for every slave in a green spot. So one, two, three, four, five, six dollars. Yep. And my fundraising ticket token right. goes away. You're amazing. It's pretty awesome. Good job, Nicole. And it's the first turn, and we've already refre- like freed a slave. Can you believe that? <clears throat> well, I did it, right? Yeah. So, yeah. Huh. You are the benevolent one. <laughs> no. <laughs> now... You know how we roll and we have slave catchers move across the map. I told you that already, that we have a slave catcher move phase at the start of every turn. Right. Well, catchers also move whenever you cross their paths at all. Like if you land a slave on a city that's along one of their paths, they they take one step towards that sort si- towards the slave and towards the city. Mm-hmm. And that just happens every time you cross them. So you're kind of trapped in this hard place where... Whenever you want to move on to city, there's actually three spaces that that slave catcher cannot be when you move them on there, or else you're just loading another ship to come back into the plantations, you know, loading another one on the ship. Mm -hmm. So that's one thing to kind of take note of. And each of these slave paths are only like eight cities long. Mm -hmm. So there's, you know, if if they stay... I don't think they're that long. (coughs) Right. A couple of them are like five or six. So if they stay like really in the middle of everything, it makes it very hard to move across the country, like from north to south or south to north. Now, and also, just like moving happens not only with chips and with cards, 
money happens in more than one way as well. Money can happen with the cards. It can happen with the fundraising tokens. It also can happen when you land on a city. When you when a slave enters a city the first time, it actually gets paid. Not not the first time in the entire game, but whenever the slave enters the city, it gets that money. When another slave comes into that city, it'll get that money as well. Uh, but they pay you a dollar or two dollars or whatever the city says whenever they move in there. And so, I mean, there's multiple ways to move slaves. There's multiple ways to make money. And there's, you know, multiple guys trying to catch you at the same time. Right. So this this all is pretty complex, really, how you're handling all this and trying to to move people around. Now, that leads us up to the next phase of the turn. Okay? Let's find out about that. So now... All these uh, slaves on the bottom card here go into the into the bottom deals, the bottom the plantations. plantations. Yeah, okay, and like however we want. That was one of those things too, where if the plantations are full and you can't put any more slaves in, then they become lost. Then oh, okay, we don't want that. Right. So. So, but it doesn't matter. I mean, it kind of matters because some of them are going to be easier to move stuff out of than others. Right. Well, we're just do I just do them even, kind of. Okay. Let's do this, in the this middle. Is, yeah, that's fine. Okay, so we've got five, three, and five again. Right. This is a lot. Actually, we're down three slaves out of those plantations right now. That's good. From the start, we're doing good. Uh, lantern phase. Can we, we use these darkened spots? <coughs> yeah, yeah. Those okay. are empties at the start. Okay. Lantern phase. Um, we discard abolitionist cards in those last two spots, which we don't have to. We slide in and fill the cards in for these spots. Okay. Slide. 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 Okay, then we fill in. Right. Okay, so we are so adding... So read these when you get them, because I want to know what they are. Okay, we are adding Ripley, Ohio. Move two slaves one space each. They do not trigger slave catchers. That's, that's a pretty good cool. card. Yeah, that's a good one. And it says Ripley's... What does it say? Ripley's adjacency to the Ohio River and its proximity to the slave state of Kentucky made it an important stop on the railroad. Okay. Okay. And then, oh, oh what is that? Is that a bad cards. thing? Well, what does it say at the bottom? The effect? In effect, until removed oh, from the so queue. This okay, this now. is a Fugitive Slave Act. Move one less slave when using single movement conductor tokens. So that, oh, so like this one, you can move three. Two guys instead of three. Oh, that sucks. Okay. Um, and it's in effect until removed from the queue. Yeah. Wow, that's a bummer. So we need to get that out of there quick. Well, the good news is you're first player, so you can spend $2 on that. So let's talk about that. There's uh, every game, you load up a couple of opposition cards in every era deck. Mm-hmm. And these are... Every other card is like something positive that you can do. You buy this card and you have a positive effect on the board. And every so often you'll have one of these red cards, these opposition cards, which you get a stack of, which will help, you know, make each game unique <clears throat> because they also go into, they also get distributed between the eras without any kind of regard to what era they were coming. That's out what I was in. just going to ask you is, right. does it matter? Are they separated by first, no. second or third era? No, they're not. And so these get shuffled in and get a couple in each era deck and they are awful to say the least, because a lot of them have these overriding like global effects that just take hold. Like you heard all of a sudden we can't move as many slaves whenever we buy a token. Mm -hmm. And, and I mean, they get worse than that. (laughs) That that one's pretty bad ones in there. That one's bad, but they they get worse than that. Now, something to, to, to note, I did say that we were down three. We had already moved three of them out of the plantations in the South. Those plantations are not full at the start of the game. 
they're like three quarters full at the start of the game. So you have a little bit of leeway at the start and you feel like it makes the first couple turns feel like it's not so dramatic quite yet. Yeah, after the first turn or so, you're kind of like, oh, yeah, we got this. We'll totally. I'm pretty sure that that was how they balanced the game. Probably. <laughs> Is by adding extra spaces to those. Uh, now, first token passes. Now, our edition of this game we bought at Gen Con from, the, the, from Academy Games, and there was a sales guy there, and I don't know what his position was, but he, he said, as long as you let me open the box... And look at all the components and make sure this print run is right because it was like the first print run that they had done. He said, as long as I can look at that, we're shipping all these out to backers next week. We'll give you all the Kickstarter stuff and we'll sign you up as if you're a Kickstarter backer. And so he gave us like the Kickstarter components, which were a three-dimensional lantern. Mm-hmm. Uh, they gave us slave it's like catchers. like a little miniature lantern. Right. Because uh, normally it's a little token. Right. They gave us slave catchers that were like... They're like Taller. two and a half, three inches tall instead of like, you know, a half inch tall. Mm-hmm. So they, they really stick up on the board. I don't know if it was that important or not. And they gave us a few opposition cards. Yeah. And then they, they ended up <coughs> mailing us dice too. Right. Different dice. Because the, uh, the die, he said in the first print run, the colors didn't match the board very well. Right. And, uh, and, and he, was, he didn't think that was, that it looked well, right. Well, and it had bubbles. On, yeah. the, on the paint, on the die. There was something messed up with it. <laughs> it was bubbles. There yeah. were bubbles, and so the that, colors they, on like, the blue were purple instead of blue. They totally took care of every bit of the stuff that I would never have been noticing, stuff that I would have been like, I don't see what the problem is. Right. And they totally took care of it. So <laughs> yeah. I Academy Games cool. is pretty solid. And the components, yeah. I mean, they're they're pretty nice. Yeah. It's a it's, nice, it's a nice, nice game. Uh, so, Nicole, you get the lantern, our little three-dimensional miniature lantern, and you were going to take the lead in turn two. So you are... Going to roll the dice. Roll the dice. Because i got to do the slave catcher phase. Right. Okay. Don't mess this up. I'm not going to. Don't be blue. Don't mess this Don't up. Don't be blue. Yellow. Yellow moves towards the clear spaces, three spaces, and captures one of our dudes. Does he really? Yep. One, oh. two, three. That's horrible. So here's what happens. When he captures someone, they go down here to this bottom card, and they'll be in the, in the market next turn. They don't go straight to the no, slaves. They're not, they're not lost. They just become more slaves coming in because now they've been captured. Really? Yeah. That's strange. Why? You're like, I don't remember doing that. I don't remember doing that. That's how it works. Well, how do you lose them then? If they if they try to go into here and the plantations are full, they go to the lost pile. So it's because there's too much. To lose tons of them. There's no demand. So they don't, they don't. They don't come in. Right, but if you catch them, then you don't necessarily want to get rid of them. You just put right. them on the boat. You're but not... What? I don't know. I'm just trying to think theme-wise. That doesn't make that much sense. I don't know why. Well, I guess they just... They capture them and send them back. And just resell them, basically? Yes. Well, they send them back to whoever owns them. Well, then he wouldn't be on the boat. Wouldn't he go back to the plantation? Well, he's going to go back to a plantation. We just don't know which one. one okay. Okay. I'm yeah. just... Seems weird. You're weird. I'm just double... I got... I got... Yeah. <coughs> Rules lawyer. Oh, my God. Rule check. Do, do, do. No, that's a going to jail. Going to jail. Seriously, where's it? No, that's not going to be the theme song. I don't like it. No, stop it. It's a stolen song. You can't do that, sir. Okay, I'm not. Rules check lawyer. There it is. Slave catcher phase. 
Boop, blah, boop. blah, blah. If the slave catcher symbol is wrong, blah, blah, blah. If white ear, blah, blah, blah. Wait, doop, is doop, moved doop. the same number of spaces. Boop, if it doop, captures, doop, okay, it only doop, captures doop. slaves on the final space of it, it end, where it ends its movement. I didn't know that either. I thought if it crossed over them, it got them. But apparently not. They sneak through. Slaves on space, shut up. It's a night court theme. Now quit. Captured slaves are placed consecutively on the slave market cards, beginning with the bottom card and continuing upward. Mm-hmm. You're welcome for knowing how to play the game. Really weird. Okay. I did that for you. All right. Good job. <laughs> well, terrible roll, Nicole. So far, no good. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I'm okay with writing a rules check lawyer song. Because I think most of these rule checks that you want a jingle for are mm-hmm. because of you. Usually. So I think we need a rules check lawyer theme is what we really need. Whatever. Anyway. Because I think that would be funny. So let's go back to actually talking <laughs> about this game. Though. What about how the Fugitive Slave Act of 1850 makes it thematically well, absolutely Now reasonable? that I know a little more about the history, <laughs> but at the time, I mean, I, like I said, I'm not a history buff, you right. know? We went to that that Lincoln Museum in Illinois. Amazing, guys. Amazing. Guys. If you go to any, any presidential yeah. museum, go to Lincoln's Museum. It's awesome. It's Truly awesome. And like I said, I'm not that big into history. It's super cool. There's there's displays in there that will give you chills. It's like the first time that I've ever had any desire to learn about history, okay? Oh my goodness. But there's a whole lot of history to learn about. So, so cool. I've not so cool. caught I've not caught up yet. <laughs> That's my number one tourist destination in Illinois. It's not Chicago. It's the it's Abraham Lincoln Museum. Yeah, definitely. It's awesome. Anyway, moving <clears throat> on. Now it makes sense. Right. I feel better. Now, we play through the second turn without real, really any sort of event <clears throat> other than moving slaves north as best as we, as possible. And here are the next abolition cards. The next thing that happens is we discard that abolitionist, the liberator. Okay. Uh, we slide we and fill the cards in. And fill. Ooh, and we get three I new get cards. the lantern, and we are done. Okay, so we have... John Greenleaf Whittier exchanged the position of two cards in the abolitionist queue. That might be okay if if we come up with another red card. He is a founding member of the African... Oh, no, pardon me. Founding member of the American Anti-Slavery Society. Whittier was a strong political lobbyist and poet. Hmm. Okay, then we have St. Catharines, Ontario. Uh, move one slave from a large northern city to Canada. Wow. Except nobody's in a large northern city. That's a bummer. But you, um, you could get someone like to Cincinnati and get them out of there with that card. Yeah, but you have to do it at the time. Well, they have to be there already. So Orange is rough. Yeah, this is, this is going to be hard. Uh, move one slave. Okay, uh, St. Catharines was the final stop on the Underground Railroad for hundreds of slaves in the 1820s. And last we have, oh gosh. Another opposition card. Opposition card. Pennsylvania Hall. No support tokens may be purchased during the planning phase, and this is in effect until removed from the queue. So you can't buy your support token. We just got totally hosed. (laughs) That that just hosed us big time. Yeah, that sucks. Can you do like your... Oh, you have to do it at the beginning of your action phase. You mm-hmm. can do that. Oh, so it's not going to matter. This is because awful. we have to do the planning phase first. This, that was the worst time for that. That to was happen. yeah, literally the worst. So, all right. Uh, yeah, we can't do. 
This is terrible. Squat. We're gonna no. have a, we're gonna have an entire turn where we do. Why are you rolling? Oh, because it's that phase. Never mind. Slave uh, catcher so I'm phase. not gonna slip. Should I skip slave catcher phase or should I just go with it? I think I should just go with it. No one's in that big of danger right now. Yeah, I'm going with it. Here okay. We go. Purple moves towards the not filled in one space. Big deal. Okay. <clears throat> That's good. All right. So. We are in planning phase, and we have one token we can take. Yeah. And I don't want it. Okay. So you might as well take it. This is going to be the worst turn that we have. Two bucks. Of course, then again, you need two bucks to do the... Oh, you have five. Never mind. I have five, yeah. Two bucks to get that move token. Do that. All right, so here's the deal. I mentioned that you buy support tokens to get you into the next little time era. Era. Mm -hmm. And that opens up more tokens for you to purchase. Because you run out of all those excess fundraising tokens and movement tokens as you're playing that era. And so it becomes really imperative at one point, because you sort of get stagnant, that you have to buy these support tokens. This is how you win the game, is by buying support tokens and freeing this many slaves. Well... If you don't buy those support tokens, you get sort of stagnated where you only have one token to move people with. Instead of buying two tokens every turn, you're buying one token between the two of you Mm -hmm. and just sitting there. So I'm all set to buy the last support token in the first era, move us to next era. And this is this is at the end of the second turn. This opposition card comes out that stops me from doing that and leaves us with one movement token between the two of us for the next turn. Mm hmm. I mean, it's bad. I mean, that was our entire plan next turn was that you were going to buy the support token. Right. Boom. Done. And this completely shuts us down. Now we're down to one move, three slaves, one space, and my move, two slaves, one space effect that I have every turn. that's it. So let's see if I can salvage this. So then we start action phase and And I get a dollar. And then I can move two slaves, one space each. So... Thinking about moving that yellow guy out because I can get two bucks for just moving right here. So I'm going to go right there and get two bucks. Okay. And yellow moves moves away. That's good. So I'm in Rochester. Oh, man. We're so closed right now. Um, We need to get guys out of the plantations right now. So this is my second guy, right? No, that'll move yellow. yellow. You can't do it. awful. So the second guy I'll move is right here. But that moves that's purple. Move purple. Okay. Okay. And that's all you can do, isn't it? That's that's all I can do. Yeah. Oh my gosh. If I want to, during this turn, I can do that flip thing and get five spaces. Like I can get this guy in. I could get uh, money with other guys. You know? You might. We might need you to. But then you're... you're your it's power diminishes, from, I know, though. because then I'm just moving one slave every turn instead of two. Can I get three guys out of here? How many do we have? We've got seven coming in, and we have one, two, three, four spaces. I can't even get... Who did you move just now? This guy. And who did you move before that? This guy. For two I think bucks. you shouldn't move the two-buck guy. I need the two bucks. I know you need the... Well, you don't need the two bucks to be able to buy the support token, though, right? Right now, I could buy that card if I wanted to. But you can't. I have enough money that I could buy that and buy a support token next round now. But I won't have any other money left over. That's what I'm saying. If you don't move that $2 guy, you can move this guy away so that I can actually move three guys out of here with my token. And we won't lose anyone. 
Otherwise, we're going to lose. Uh, okay, there's your money back. I'm back in I'm sorry. Cleveland, right? So this guy's back here. Oh, no, you're right. That doesn't work because we got to move yellow okay, out. Okay, give me my $2 back. Well, God, it's not going to. Wait, let me think. Because it's not going to matter anyhow because we still can't put anybody there. We're still going to lose somebody, aren't we? Never mind. Take your two dollars. Move them over there because it's well, not going to matter. I, I don't. Know there's where nothing. To move. There's nothing we can do. We got to. Well, we, if I move this guy to here, it won't matter. That would move the red guy down. I'd move this guy here, and, and then red guy's going to capture him. So it's not going to matter. So move your move your guy. Get your two dollars. We're just not going to be able to. Uh, well, I can still. We're going to have to. We're going to lose somebody. We're going to lose somebody. There's no way around it. There's no way. Did you want me to flip? I can flip. This is when you have to make that decision of... Hey, I flipped. But okay. no, 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 wait. Because later on, I mean, we may lose the game if you lose that ability to move two people. That's huge. It is huge. I can move five spaces and any one person can be included in that. So I can go like one, you know, two, three, you know, whatever. I don't know. I don't know. Do you want me to do that? Is this the time? We're only gonna we're gonna lose. We're only gonna lose one guy. Are you sure? Aren't you're we? Go, well, you're gonna go here, and then you can move a guy here and there, and you'll lose one guy. So I should, should I save it? <clears throat> I just don't know if we need to do it quite yet. Okay, then I save it. Your okay. Turn. Well, I mean, we don't have to. It's your game too. Nope, it's yours. And you're in possession of that guy. All you, baby. Go. Wait, I can buy a, a card. What else can I get down here now? I can do one of these still. Uh, gain $1 for any <gasps> slaves oh. and that. Oh, really? Well, Why are we arguing then? Do that one. $1 for the Ripley, Ohio. Move two slaves along one space each. They don't trigger slave catchers. See, that sounds like the best one. Mm-hmm. Here's a dollar. And here's that well, card. Why have we even been talking about it? You don't need to do five, definitely. We've been talking about it because this is exactly how your game is going to sound. Mm-hmm. This this clip captures what it's going to sound like to play this game. Uh, and you can also hear that there's this is a good clip <clears throat> that sort of lets you hear how this game sort of squashes the alpha player deal. You've got a choice of not great or not great. Yeah. <clears throat> I mean, it really is. And there's no reason for an alpha player to come in there and say, we do this, we do that, we do this other thing. It really, there's there's plenty of options and none of them are that stellar is yeah. kind of how it starts to add up. Now, this is the third turn. <clears throat> and our third our third turn ends with our plantations completely full mm-hmm. and nearly and all the spaces just outside of them are full. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so you're sort of like in this congestion it's almost like, you know, car traffic almost where you're trying to move, but the people up north have to move or the people down the highway have to move before you can move, before they can move, before you can get anybody out of the plantation. Mm-hmm. And <clears throat> truly, our slave catchers have stayed right in the middle of the whole country and have us sort of pinned down everywhere except for way out west. Way out west, we've snuck a couple through <clears throat> up to north because I think the first one we saved was was in the north, uh, northwest. Well, Northwest being relative because the board only shows like to Kansas. Right. So. But the, uh, <clears throat> so it's sort of congested and the, we're sort of just stuck at this point. 
and this educational game at this point will continue to educate with this next clip. You fill in the abolitionist and cards. discard Joseph Samuel Joseph May. <coughs> that was that weird New York card that yeah, was going to help us. Okay, so we get three cards. Right. So we get... And there's still, I think, another red card in there. Probably. There Josiah Henson. So we can move two cubes, two spaces. Right. Um, a former slave who escaped to Ontario, Canada. Josiah is widely believed to be the inspiration for the runaway slave in Uncle Tom's Cabin, which I've never read. I know the Warrant song. Are you going to sing it? I know a secret down in Uncle Tom's cabin. I know a secret that I just can't tell. I know a secret down in <laughs> Uncle Tom's cabin. Know who put the body in the wishing well. Who put a body in a wishing well? It was the sheriff. Why? He's a dirty man. What? What? That's, it's a story song. Huh. He's out in the swamp with his buddy fishing or something like that, and he and he sees a car pull up, and they hide, and they look, and it's the sheriff and the deputy, and they're throwing a body in the well of the old shack, hmm. Uncle Tom's cabin. Did they catch him? Well, it's a sheriff, so I who caught him? I think they do catch him at the end of the story. So it's a bleak, story. bleak song. They don't. They don't ever tell. They said they know a story they just can't tell. Oh, weird. So, Uncle Tom's Cabin was actually an anti-slavery book written by Harriet Beecher Stowe that dispelled the myth that slaves were happy being slaves and focused sort of on the evil of slavery breaking up families through the sales of slaves. That's what Uncle Tom's Cabin is. The 80s rock band Warrant, for some reason, named their song this and claimed that their song was originally titled I Know a Secret and changed the name later. But their song was about a double murder committed by a sheriff and a deputy and has no ties to the book, according to the band. So it's just sort of an unfortunately titled thing. I'm sure there were many people who saw that title and were like, what is that about? Well, I mean, I've, I've <clears throat> heard of the book like ever since I was little. Right. How did they not ever hear the book? I don't know. I mean, and even, <laughs> even then, you know it's something... I have to I have to imagine what? that their singer was writing these lyrics and thought of Uncle Tom's Cabin because he had heard Uncle Tom's Cabin in history class. That's but you name your song after it. That's I don't think he weird. did it on purpose. I think he was just it, you know just sort of naive and thought well, that he had thunk up like thought up thunk, thunk up. <laughs> he dunk it up. Gosh, what is that? He dunk it. The uh, <laughs> no, I think he thought that he he had come up with this unique <laughs> title for a <laughs> cabin in the he woods. Said thunk. <laughs> you know. Great. Now I have a cabin in the woods stuck in my head. Ooh. Anyhow. Cabin in the woods. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So <laughs> uh, at this point, we are going to jump back into the game at the end of turn five. Now, the congestion in the South, uh, as we've talked about before, continues. And we have several slaves waiting at the north border, like three of them at this point, that we just cannot afford to put across the border. Because if we do, we don't relieve that congestion down south. Right. So it's like we can save three, but we can't at the same time. Uh, We've lost four slaves, bringing us up to a total of six of 16 before we lose the game. And we jump in right here. Hmm. Okay. All right. So, <clears throat> slave catcher face. Oh, <clears throat> I don't want to roll. You have to roll. It's grim. 
Orange Ooh. moves towards the filled in three spaces. One, two, three. That's the yellow line. Oh, Oops. Orange from here goes. Nope. That's the one, unfilled. One, two, three. To and he nothing. catches no one. Right. Woohoo! <laughs> good oh, roll, Nicole. Man. That's the first good roll of the game. All right, so we're at planning phase. Mm mm. <coughs> second good roll of the game. We had a good roll on the brown one earlier. Planning phase, so we, like, we're we both purchasing support tokens. Oh, yeah, so absolutely. Support token Give me 10 purchase. bucks. Okay. That leaves me $3. I really need money, baby. Here, we can just, just give me both those. We'll put them up here. Oh, okay. We're just buying them. We're over halfway through our support tokens. That's the good news. Oh, that is good news. But we have to spend 30 bucks in the next three turns. Mm. Or else we lose. See, we still have three support tokens left, and they are $10 a piece. And just so he puts it in, puts it in perspective here, $30 is like, it's so much money. And <clears throat> early in the game, you get fundraising tokens that give you money for slaves on green spaces. Mm-hmm. The majority of the spaces on the board are green spaces. So you get a lot of money in support of, of ab- abolishing slavery when you do fundraisers raisers early. But then in the last round, the last era, you only get them for having slaves in northern states or northern cities, which are blue background cities. And there's not that many of them. I mean, Mm -hmm. if you had every one of them filled, you would not get as much money as you would with only like two thirds of them filled in the South. Mm -hmm. It's like five bucks is the most you're going to get, you know? Mm -hmm. So there's a real, it gets really hard to gain that money at the end. So at this point in the game, we've probably collectively only had $60 total. I guess, I mean, we had to have eight, we had to buy eight tokens and there's five or three left. So we bought five of them. Right. So we, at this point we spent $50 and we probably had another 20 a piece. So probably 90 bucks total in the entire game. And we have to spend $30 more plus manage all this other stuff. And it's just not going to happen. It's pretty hard to do. Because we, at this point, we, it's really starting to feel bleak because we're right up against the wall. Yeah. And and we cannot move enough slaves out of the south and we're starting to lose them. Losing four in a row is like what are we going to do next turn? Yeah. And because you're looking at it and I mean you're your staring at this are still full. Right. And you're staring at this board where there's nowhere for slaves to move out of plantations. You're just sitting there going Ugh. This guy's going to get caught if I move this. This guy's going to get caught if I <clears throat> right. move that. And the boats are visible that come in. The boats like to, to keep track of turns there's eight of these little slave boat cards and they are random. And in the two-player version of this game, they are going to be a five, six, or seven slaves that come in every turn. And so you can see that next turn's going to be seven. The turn after that's going to be six. And they're just laying there, and you're, you're just, you're hopeless. Yeah. Because you're looking down at the plantations and all the spaces around it going, I cannot move seven slaves out. I could have, you know, it, it's going to take me 30 moves to move seven slaves out. I'm yeah. going to lose seven slaves next turn. There's nothing I can do about it. You know? Yeah, and then again, you have to <clears> consider that if you get anyone captured, then they get added to the boat as well. So that's even more that you have right. to move in. And just just back on the money thing, I mean, seriously, a good turn? We're both broke at this point, at the end at the oh, end yeah. of this turn. This is the end. that We're at the end of the sixth turn. We're broke. A good turn of income for one of us is $10. That would be a stellar turn of income. Right. And we're just sitting there, like, barely scraping any kind of money out of it at all. So let's uh, let's listen to the end of the sixth turn here. Like, we, we have nowhere we can go. We can get the minimum, we can get the amount of slaves freed that we have to get. 
but we will never get enough support to to end slavery at this point. There's a move, two slaves, one space each that do not trigger slave catchers. That's kind of a good one. Uh-huh. Is it worth spending $3 on, though? I don't know. I don't have any money, so I don't know. Well, I know. That's what I'm saying. If you do the the fundraising, then you'll get the money. You'll get one, two. Well. Well, here's the deal. If I do the fundraising, <clears throat> I can do the fundraising. Then I can spend a dollar and I can get one of our, our tokens purchased and throw us into the third phase. Yeah. But so I think that's the best thing. We will be dead broke in the third phase. Well. Just telling you. It's... So go ahead and give me the fundraising token. Okay. You that's do the fine. fundraiser. Nope. But you don't have enough money to buy two other tokens. I can buy this. Right. That's $2. I know. And then I won't buy anything. I'll just buy the one. You can't afford to buy a second one either. Right. So there you go. Okay. So now we're at action phase. Okay. So for my action, I get two bucks. And then I get to spend this and I get to buy an abolitionist card during the action phase for one less dollar. So I'm going to. You're going to buy the two slave movements that don't trigger slave catchers. Shoot. Well, I was going to, but then I didn't realize you're going to get two dollars less than you're supposed to. Yeah. Are you going to have enough money to be able to buy the? I'm going to have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, which will be two less. Will be no, I don't. Yeah, you would because that'd be six dollars oh, plus yeah, you I have a dollar. I'll have a do- and I'll get another dollar. Okay, so, so I'm going to spend dollar. my dollar plus the two I would have gotten to not use or to go ahead and discard my principles in '98 and take the Ripley, Ohio, so I can move two slaves one space each, and they do not trigger slave catchers. Okay, and I have to use that now. Right. Okay. So. Well, we need to clear guys out. Well, we only need to save... Like, I would move this guy right here. Someone right there, please. Right. You'll get $2. I get two bucks. And And then then one more. I don't know what to do. And they don't affect the slave catchers. That's the biggest thing to remember. So... Excuse me. So you could move, like... I don't know, maybe... This guy into Cincinnati, I guess. I don't know. It's so bad. I don't know. It's so bad, baby. We are so hosed. Yeah, I think you're right. If I move that guy into Cincinnati, that's I am going to do that. Move Ripley into Cincinnati. And I get two bucks. Okay. Okay, so we... we. (laughs) Here's what's so bad, is that you can just tell... That we know this is game over. Yeah. It, it, we're, we're still two turns until the end of the game. Technically. And we're looking at this game and going, there's no way. Right. What, what can we do? And we're, we already just start conceding that we just need to finish as strong as possible. Mm-hmm. Because there's just no chance. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's, kind of, that's kind of a crappy feeling, you know? Mm. <clears throat> yeah, because, I mean, you just know you're not going to win. Right. 
Because we, we finish up this turn and we lose like a boat of like seven. Yeah. So we go all of a sudden up to like 13 lost and we can lose <laughs> we can lose three more and we're just like going, we, we got nothing. Right. <clears throat> Before it hits that point, you want to have like lost none in this game. If you're playing strategically, you want to have lost none. All the way up until like around the sixth turn before this starts happening. Because then you can put all your focus in just moving people into Canada, gaining money, and not worry about what's coming in. I know that's that's harsh, you know, given the theme. Mm-hmm. But that's kind of what you would want to play towards. But we are not there. We kind of got there a turn too early. Yeah. And so, I don't know. Do you think we can pull it off in turn seven, Nicole? I know we're going to try. Okay, here we go. I am first player, so I have the unfortunate task of rolling this. This is probably our last turn. Oh, yeah. I'm almost sure of it. Blue moves two spaces towards solid, so he ends up in Chicago. I can't reach, so I don't know why you're pointing on it. You're horrible. All right, here we go. (laughs) All right, Cole. Horrible aside, we're in our planning phase. I have nothing. I have $3. But we are in phase three, so I take two of these. One of us could maybe buy a token. I don't know. Okay. Or do you want both those? No, I don't need both those. I've got three dollars. Okay, <laughs> I'll tell you what. You get one. No, I don't need one. Just take that. You're fine. You need yeah, the but money. You can afford the dollar. You can afford the that thing to get that token. Uh, we're not. What are you talking win. about? So to get what matter. token? To get that five dollar discount that we need. That'd be one dollar for your five dollar discount. I have to have the money at the time. That's a use it now. Right. When I buy it, I don't have the money. You could you could do a fundraiser, and then you would have the I money. I can't because there's there's three. I'm gonna get oh two dollars. There's two dollars. <laughs> two dollars is not gonna help me. Oh my so, goodness! Here, take we the are fundraiser. So I'm going to buy the <laughs> four cubes, one space for three dollars, and so it's your turn. Baby. We're so done. I know. Just we're, just we're just playing this out for no reason. We're we're playing it out to get to the end of the game. Oh my god. Okay. That was the end of our fundraising, so I get to move one guy one time, and there's nowhere to move him. I mean, we're done. I'll save somebody. I'll save this dude. Why not? Congratulations, Ferris Berg. You hung in there, and I apologize for the delay. It's your turn. This is it. I know. This is the end of it. We have to have seven people cleared out of those plantations, and there's no way we could do it. No, I've only got it four It would take movement. us like 20 moves to get seven guys out. Okay. Well, I get two bucks. We're so done. I can't afford to buy a card, but I can get that one for free and get a dollar for everybody connected to Washington, D.C., which is like one guy. One. So I, I get a dollar... For using that Is card. Is everybody connected to Washington, D.C.? Because there's zero connected to Washington, D.C. Or is it one guy in Washington, and For each slave in space is connected to D.C., so that doesn't even help. So, nope, you didn't get anything for that. No, I'm not going to do that then. <laughs> We're so done, baby. Do we have slaves in northern cities? <clears throat> yeah. How many? Two. So it would cost me $2 to get $2. Okay, well, I'm not even going to bother doing a card then. 
you could save two of the slaves, and at least we would have slaved, saved all ten of our slaves. But we're not going to have we're not going to have enough support to to end slavery. Okay, well, go ahead and move those two, and that'll be two of my movement. Okay, so we've we've, we've hit our our slave goal, our goal of slavery or slaves, but we have to somehow have five or sorry seven empty spaces. Okay, move the guy out of DC to where? Right here. Uh huh. And move blue. And that gives me a dollar. And then move. Unbelievable. This guy here, and that this gets guy's a, gonna get and moves captured. blue. Shoot. You can do that. You can okay, do move that guy there then. Okay. And blue goes over, and I still get a dollar. Okay, that's it. That's Is that all my guys? I think so. That was, One, that two, was four? Three, four, yeah. Yeah, okay, that was four. <coughs> so, so then seven people pour in, and two of them get lost. Plus, I mean, all of them get lost. So yeah, so we're like we over five by five over, people. And that's the end of the game. That's horrible. And we were still, we had $8 between the two of us, too, and no support, to, no fundraising tokens left to g- build towards the $20 that we needed to, to finish the game. Actually, yeah. we needed 15 because we had a $5 discount token. So there you go. Turn seven loss. <laughs> we had eight turns to lose it. We took seven. <laughs> no. <laughs> Pretty grim loss, right? Yeah. Well, and we we had we you had to have ten slaves make it to Canada, right? Right. And we did that. Right. We got the slave. We got the the amount of slaves freed that we needed to free. We just couldn't keep them from being cat like uh, lost at the plantation. Right. But we but still had two we support, get the tokens support tokens too. Tokens. We right. finally got to the third phase in the seventh turn. We opened up the third phase. And couldn't make it out of the seventh turn. With we just could never get enough money to do anything to buy. We got stifled on movement early. Yeah, that's the truth. Like, just got stuck. We had a whole turn that got wasted, and then we during well, because it, we had planned for right. you to be able to buy that support right. token. And another one, we had another one that was pretty much almost similar to that. That that was just like that happened an opposition card just like that, that I didn't play mm-hmm. where it basically shut down a turn. We had basically two turns and we only have eight. So 25% of our turns are just thrown away mm-hmm. because of opposition cards that were poorly timed. So <clears throat> kind of a victim of bad luck, but you know, but whatever. there's nothing you can do on that. Right. So <clears throat> we did lose this game, mm-hmm. but what do you like about this game? I, th- I just think it's a really solid game. I mean, it's thinky, it's a little harsh just with the topic of it, mm-hmm. but it's presented in such a good way. Mm-hmm. Um, here's go, go back a little bit to the story I was telling uh, oh. when we started playing this at, at work, playing the clips at work. And I'm sitting in a room by myself with my little iPhone, right. playing the clips, writing down time codes. Yeah. And people will come into the room. And they start hearing conversations about, okay, well, we need to move these slaves here and there, and we need to do this, and we need to get more money. And they're just looking at me like, what is going on right now? (laughs) We are in an era right now where if someone even appropriately, like time-wise, uses the term slave in a game, they will have to – the company will have to redo the game, redo anything that says slave on it and reissue a new product because people will become outraged about it. Which is – which I, mean, I don't think, I think this it's game strange. Has, this game hasn't fallen oh. victim, victim to that well, since that's how the could it? I core mean, theme of the game. Exactly. No but, one's disputing what 
But like five tribes, on? for instance, five tribes had some sort of good or something you could com- you could collect. We don't we have never played it, but uh, it, it had some commodity you could collect them- that was slaves. And they said, "Well, we can't do that." And they said, "Okay, helpers." Or Even something though like historically, that. it would be probably very accurate. Right. So, in, the, in the time frame or whatever that that's themed, it but would I, be an okay term. So this gave me the opportunity, though, to explain to my coworkers what the game was about. Right. And by the end of being able to explain the game to them, they're like really interested in it and saying that that sounds like an interesting game to play. Right. And it's just because it it is educational. It does kind of, you know give you a, a, another glance at uh, the, maybe there's a lot I don't know about, you know, that I can look up and, right. and learn about. And I think that's cool. Um, I think that's predominantly what the historical games do for you. Yeah. Cause they give you a much deeper, uh, you but know, some of them do it a lot better than others. And I think this one does it extremely well. <clears throat> well, yeah, I'm sure there's no context to five tribes and the slaves and why they're in there. No, or, I'm sure. Know. So, so you, it's a solid game. I, I think that, you know, that learning during a game is kind of fun. Mm-hmm. In this case, especially because it is a solid game and there is all that information in there. And, you know, there's a lot of games out there that we don't read the flavor text on the cards. Like uh, I know that Eldritch Horror, for instance, is a game where I have to prod you to actually read the flavor text because you just won't do it otherwise. Because you're just like, well, I just need to know where to put the tokens. Mm-hmm. Well, there's flavor text to go with it that kind of makes it interesting, you know, or thematic based on where you're putting the tokens and why you're putting the tokens. Uh, yeah, but, but on this, that, it's like <sighs> it, it, Cthulhu's not really going to get you in the end, okay? It's, you say that. Y- you know. <laughs> you don't have any scientific this, proof to disprove Cthulhu. <laughs> well, in this, it's not like, you know, it's not like I'm going back in time or anything, but you do. You feel almost a sense of responsibility right. to make sure and read this information. <clears throat> what if it's helpful? What if, right? you know. Well, yeah, and, and of course, because of the historical context of this, even even though you're just moving cubes on a board, you still kind of say, I'm losing people. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to lose people. Mm-mm. You know, I want to move them. I want to get them out of there. And I feel like some and sort of like support. responsibility, like a moral responsibility to try to win this game. Mm-hmm. You do feel that. And you kind of feel like even if – because we're losing so poorly right. – um, what can I do? I can't seem to do much. What can I do? Well, at least I can read their stories. At least I can right. look at the, the cards and, and – <clears throat> and do that. Something it's, else I like about this Sometimes it's the most you can do. I like that it's possible to win because I've won. Yeah. You know? It's not probable. But it's, it's probably definitely, not going to happen, it's but a, it is It's possible. really hard. I mean, it's really hard. You right. have to plan very well. Uh, there is a little bit of luck in it that keeps it from being too strict so that you, you've got a little bit of like psychological forgiveness when you don't win the game where mm-hmm. you're like, well... That opposition card came up at the wrong time or, well, you rolled that wrong thing on the slave catcher card. Like there's, you know, there's an option on the slave catcher die where nobody moves. We never never had that come up. I've had it come up one time. I've never seen it come up. I didn't even realize it was an option. Right. There is an option where nobody moves, but it's like rolling a six on a six sided die. So it doesn't happen very often. Well, see, and that's a level of strategy we didn't try either. Mm -hmm. I mean, if... If you move a, a slave over here, he's going to force a slave catcher to move mm-hmm. toward him. Well, that may capture another slave, but it might free it up so that others can get through. Right. We never did that method. We didn't sacrifice anybody because then you go through that moral dilemma again. Mm-hmm. I'm sacrificing somebody. It makes it, it makes it feel pretty real. Right. 
Now, there is plenty of cards and replay. I feel like that's a positive thing about this. Definitely. Because you discard the rest of that era's deck the moment you buy the support, all the support tokens in that era. It happens immediately. So even in the middle of purchasing tokens and stuff like that, if you purchase that support token, immediately all those cards go away and the next card cards come out. So you don't see all the cards in each era every mm-hmm. game. <clears throat> and on top of it, you're you're shuffling those opposition cards, randomizing them through each deck. So you don't know what's going to happen, what negative things going to happen in each of the eras either. So that does mix mix the game up pretty well. Mm-hmm. Uh, <clears throat> in our collection. We don't have a single game with this theme other than this. I don't know if a single game exists other than this. <clears throat> right. This is very unique and unto itself. And given the the attention they gave to it, where it, you know, to making sure it's a good game and making sure that it's it's balanced and that it gives you that real opposing feel and stuff like that. This is a very unique game and a unique playstyle in your in your uh, collection. Mm-hmm. Because there's, there are other cooperative games, like I would say a close relative of this would be something like Pandemic, but I'm not moving disease cubes around in Pandemic, you know? I'm I'm moving characters around and getting rid of disease cubes and stuff like that, but I'm not moving any of those diseases from city to city in Pandemic like I am in this game. So mechanically, this game still is very unique and unto itself, mm-hmm. even in a cooperative genre. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> um so I think that's very positive. Now the only the only dislike the only dislike really in this game is that it's really hard. But it's not I wouldn't say it's ghost stories hard. No. Or at least ghost stories unfair and unforgiving. And I would say that the theme is probably the most negative thing to this is just that the theme is very weighty and some people aren't going to find this theme they'll find it completely unacceptable. Mm-hmm. Or they'll find it just like too hard to, to to sit and play a fun game or have a good time, you know, doing this type of action mm-hmm. with this type of theme layered on top. So that's about the only negative thing I can say about it. Other than that, it's a really solid game. Yeah. Seeing you and I, though, we can see past that always and have a good time. We can have a good time at the DMV. At, at can, its core, you are you abolitionists know. that are saving slaves. Right. And that's what I, I think that's what any still, of this would be. You're at this still point playing anyways. a game, so we're able to have fun with the mechanics of it and, right. and just and accept the theme. That's more right. what I'm trying to say. Right. And it and it, like I said, it's it's history and history mm-hmm. happened. It did. And you're just playing a part of history. <clears throat> so what would you give this on a teaching scale? How hard is this to teach from one to five? I don't know. I'm probably gonna go with a four. You think it's really hard? I just think there's a lot of comp- uh, complex complexity to it. I think it's a little deceptive. I think a three myself. Okay. I don't Why? think it's quite as hard just because I don't, I think that it's, it's still at its core, just like, Hey, you need to move these cubes to the North, you know, avoid these yeah. guys. And if I was to there, if I was to sort of referee the game, I could lead almost anyone through this game. I don't know. I think the slave catchers are just a little, especially, well, I guess it's not probably not the teaching part that's so hard about it. It's just the, wrapping your head around what's going to happen as a result right. of each action. So I'm probably I guess not that makes gonna, it harder. Well, and the thing is, the hardest part about this game is deciding when, to, when it's socially acceptable to play this game. You're not going to take too. it to your mom's house on Thanksgiving. Probably not. You're not going to say, hey, Thanksgiving, let's play Freedom the Underground Railroad. That's not going to happen. You know? Yeah. It's not a party game. It's not a good time game. It's, it's a game for gamers, for sure. 
Well, and it, that gentleman that we met from Academy, you know, he'd said that a lot of uh, schools were, were buying it too. Right. To have in their classrooms, which I think is amazing. I think that's really awesome. Right. Because so. it is educational. Mm-hmm. And it's not just a war game. That's another thing. A lot mm-hmm. of these historical games are war games. And they don't deal with anything, any other subject. Well, this does. And it, I mean, it, it deals with a subject that's based, you know, underneath a war. Mm-hmm. But it's, uh, yeah, it's historically accurate, though, at the same time. So um, what's your rating? <clears throat> I, I give it a four out of five. Really? Yeah. See, I really like this game. Yeah. I, I give it a five out of five just really? because I really enjoy playing it. We've played it multiple times since we bought it. Right. And every time I really enjoy it. Right. And every time I learn a little bit more. Yeah. Which is cool. Um, I don't know. I just think it's a really I like it a lot. It's a good game. I, I wouldn't put it at the very top. Like I don't I don't go through our collection and go, Oh my goodness, I can't wait to play that again. But it definitely it definitely is one of those ones when I go through it with my eyes, I go, Oh yeah, I'll play that again. Mm-hmm. Like, there's no doubt about it when I glance across my collection that that's going to get on the table again. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Definitely. So four out of five for me, five out of five for Nicole. That's How many five like out of it. fives do you have? Well, I, we're on a five scale. <laughs> I don't know. I, know. I probably wouldn't do as many if we were on a ten <clears throat> scale. Very few would hit a ten. Whoa. But a five on only five You got to commit. Oh. Like, I can't do fours at <laughs> four and a half. I won't let you. I know. Because that's the same as You're a 10. You're rude. All right. So guess what? That's the end of uh, Freedom of the Underground Railroad's review. But guess what we got this week, Nicole? What? We got more questions. I was just talking to Nicole about bass guitars. Uh, anyways. <laughs> so weird. I was just telling her, of course I can play bass guitar. I can play guitar. <laughs> I can sort of play my bass, kind of. <clears throat> well, there you go. So, <clears throat> this uh, episode, we're going to continue with more of Steve's questions. Steve did ask us a lot. Well, and nobody's emailing us for some reason. You know, we had issues, though, with our email not working right and the P.O. box not working right. Have we? Well, well, I haven't received anything. Yeah? I don't know. So, who knows? Well, here's more of Steve's questions, okay? He asks, you guys mentioned a bunch of smaller box games in the past episode and mentioned Patchwork and Tides of Time on this show. How do you store these small box games? He has a bunch of them. And they just sit in a stacked pile on the end of his shelf. Yeah, we've done that. <clears throat> so here's what we've got. He, he, this ties into the next thing. He also asks, what is your game storage solution now? Is it sorted alphabetically on the shelves by box size in piles on the floor? Question mark. Okay. <clears throat> we have all of our games, or the majority of our games are split between two different shelves. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> one is sort of like a standard, cheap, like build yourself furniture bookshelf uh, that we I got off Amazon for very cheap, and it doesn't quite fit a full size like eighteen by eighteen box or whatever they are. 
but like the it does ticket fit. to ride size doesn't fit right. <laughs> but it does fit a lot of medium sized boxes, right? I mean, because of course we all know board games come in a variety of sizes, and this fits a lot of those medium size that aren't really a small box that you could put like in a backpack or something like that or in your purse or whatever. This fits a you know these these medium sized boxes like uh, Aquasphere is on there. Um, I think all the Feld games are well, yeah, on there. Because they sort of bookend, like Caverna uh-huh. and uh, Agricola is on there. Those those games all kind of fit on that, that shelf really shelf, well. Yeah. <clears throat> However, normal size boxes, that 18 by 18 square box fits really well on a a, a shelving system that uh, IKEA sells called the Kalax. That's K-A-L-L-A-X. Is it two L's? <clears throat> I think so. Kalax shelves. Now, these are shelves that they, they produce. If you see them, I'm just going to tell you. Almost all of the biggest board game video people have Kalax shelves in their background. Mm-hmm. And they all got these from Ikea. And they are this... Because they're reasonably priced. Right. And you've got them in, in a they're variety. you got them either build. in uh, two, by, two by four squares or four by four squares or... There's a one by four, too. <laughs> I think there? there is a one by four, too. And all of these have these accessories built to go with them. So we store a lot of our games in that. I actually have three four by fours with two two by fours on top. Is that right? No. Or is it four two by you fours? Have four and, two by fours right. with two two by fours on top. <laughs> That's because the four by fours, for some reason, were over double the price of the two by fours. Which made no sense. Right, because the two by fours have bigger like end caps and stuff on them. Like they basically end up with They're more thicker. wood. They just end up a little thicker. <clears throat> they end up with more wood. Yeah. So I've got I've got six two by fours that I have to store my games right now. Uh, <clears throat> I store the majority of them on those. And all of those have these accessories that go with them that you can have like uh, little bins, like little uh, canvas bins that you put in there. You can have uh, drawers that you put in there. You, there's there's a variety of options mm-hmm. for these things. And there's even like a little door you can – like it comes with you a backing. You can make a cabinet, yeah. right. So, <clears throat> yeah, so I've got drawers. Mm-hmm. That I store my really small games in, and they, you buy them, and they come with two drawers that go into one of those eighteen by eighteen little sockets, and you just pull out little drawers and put put your card games. Although in Although patchwork is big enough, it's still on the that's on the on medium the shelf. shelf. Yeah, yeah, patchwork is. But these are those. I'm talking about the ones that are like uh, course, you know five by eight yeah, boxes, like little deck box kind right. of things. Those kind. But then we've got games in the closet too. Now those, I because they're not, they don't need to be pretty. I just bought shop shelves from Lowe's. Like big metal shelves put right. in the closet. Like, like these these kind of crappy metal shelves that you screw together. Mm-hmm. And uh, they're like a, like a nut and bolt type, type system to put those together. But they fit <coughs> they fit in shelves really well. Right. And I've got a couple of those sort of in the shelves of the, of the guest bedroom that we have those in. Plus I have the top of the shelves full of stuff too. Those are where all our American classics are that we really don't play that much except on 4th of July. Yeah. And then randomly <clears throat> around the house you'll see games for some reason. Because I like, want to play them. I know. Like, the, Well, we, you don't want to play trains right now and it's sitting in the dining room. But every time I do, there's some like little spark in my gut that says, you need to play trains. <laughs> you should play that. It's a deck building train game. Doesn't that sound fun, Fred? And I'm like, it sounds amazing. That's my inner voice. What was creeping me out for a while is I was like finding board games in the garage 
<laughs> just sitting there and I'm like, really? Because this they're is... in my backseat of my car and I'm like, I need to get these out of here because I, you know, every time I park, I always go by the theory that if you have something in your car that someone can see, they'll try to steal it. Mm-hmm. So I always try to, and even though, I, I mean, there's not a huge criminal market for board games. <laughs> I always try to just get them out of there, you know? Yeah. You never know. I even posted that on Instagram once. <laughs> I was like, look what I found in the garage. <laughs> So uh, the next question he has is, so the answer is Kalax shelves with uh, drawer inserts mm-hmm. and a couple of cheap Amazon shelves on the other side of the room and put together metal shelves in the closet. Mm-hmm. The, uh, the next question Steve has is, I wonder if the Nicole jingle was ever made. Well, I mean, we were Nicole discussing wins. it on this uh, on this episode, the wins so, no. jingle, you're going to do yourself. I, I can't do that. I will not I can't, write that. You're going to I sing it I can't write music. You have to. I don't know how. <laughs> I'm, I'm not talented. You'll be great. No, I'm like tone deaf practically. So the next question after that, Nicole fights me on this, but it'll happen. Uh, you mentioned that you have 300 games at this point. So my question is, do you feel like you have a gap in your collection that needs to be filled? Mm. I mean, not really. Well, I don't know what you would, f- what, what we don't have. Like, I mean, I, I know it when I see it. Like, I know when I see a brand new game and I'm like, we don't have something like that. But most for the most but part, I can't no. think of anything for the most part. No. Or the, the most I get usually is I'll look at a game and I'll go, that looks like it may be better than the game I currently have that's mm-hmm. in that space. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> that's about as good as it gets right now. Yeah, I think so. Because <clears throat> it is a lot of games. I mean, obviously. That doesn't stop me from like going, oh, wow, the next big thing's right around the corner. I mean, I have six Kickstarters or something like that that I have right now that are just floating out there being delivered this year. Yeah. Don't be disappointed. You're going to get to play all these cool games. I know. I'm excited. <clears throat> so uh, not really. I don't feel like there's a gap. I never look at it and go, I need to really get a game like this. I just don't. Um, I would say the biggest thing about a gap, maybe, maybe the most common thing is I always am looking for something that's atypical like as far as theme yeah like i really get stoked when i find a bird watching game or a like for instance i've been kind of looking at arboretum possibly as buying because it's you know a tree planting game mm-hmm. and that's different <clears throat> i just got uh and then we held hands i like these themes that that uh break the mold of what is stereotypically sort of nerdy right you know what you would expect to find in a nerdy game store so I don't mind those themes. I really think they're refreshing, to be honest. <laughs> I agree. I'm okay with not not being a stereotype. I really am. Mm-hmm. Um, so what else? Uh, I know you have lots of lunchtime games that teach and play quickly, but do you have any situations that you wouldn't have a game to play? I mean... I think we've kind of amassed enough games at this point that we've got something for most situations. Most. And I mean, even even if I'm playing in a movie theater or something like that, I have a board game on my phone that I can pass and play. Yeah. So there's not many other than we need your attention. Like, I'm not going to go into talk, talk to a bank, you know, about a bank loan or something like that and start playing a game during that process. <laughs> you could at my bank it'd be fun it'd be weird <laughs> it'd be weird for the bank i get in trouble <laughs> well I'm, I'm just saying i'm just saying there are certain social situations like i'm not going to play a game while i grocery shop unless it's like a word game you know where i'm mm-hmm. like you know i might play something like that but it's not going to be yeah something I mean, we really even have, structured well even uh we were waiting we went to jack stack to get barbecue mm-hmm. and played blink out in the 
waiting area out on the patio or whatever. We played like 10 times in 15 minutes. Yeah, it's just a goofy little card game we got at Target for like five bucks or something, you know, just to have something with us. And it seems like I always seem to have a a little card game or board game in my bag. I usually, I I keep games in my office at work, Mm -hmm. in my desk. I really do. I've got Mm -hmm. like four of them in there that I just keep all the time. Just in case. I got Welcome to the Dungeon. I've got Birds of a Feather. I've got... A couple others. I, don't I keep Flux with me just in <clears throat> case somebody else decides that, hey, teach me a game or something right. at work because it's an, it's cake to teach. Right. And it's the tiniest little box of cards. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. Well, there you go. That's I think that's the end of Steve's questions. So thank you, Steve, for writing these questions. We really appreciate it. We do. Uh, anybody else who would like to write questions that is listening to us, that's, I mean, feel free. I think we, we're just pretty open and nobody needs to ask us anything. <laughs> is that what it is? I don't know. That's what I'm going to go Do with. Do I need to close up, clam up a little bit and not be so... We're going to be more mysterious in future. Really? Yeah. I might like a game. You never know. Guess what it could be. I wonder what it is. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Now, uh, we're, we did recently, now this game that we played this week mm-hmm. was based off a poll. We offered up Caverna, we offered up Aquasphere, and we offered up Freedom of the Underground Railroad as options to play for this episode. And we played Freedom by people's request. It did get the majority. <laughs> I think it beat by like one vote or something, though. <clears throat> right. I think it was Matt's fault. <laughs> Just kidding, Matt. The uh, So we're going to do it again. Because Nicole and I kind of do, the way we're kind of doing this episode lately is sort of like episode with people episode just the two of us episode with people episode the two of us and we were thinking that the episode that's the two of us could be voted on by our guild and so now we're going to with options provided by so this is this is a new segment we're doing it's called for those of you playing at home and uh we are going to release a new poll on board game geek uh right when this releases Mm mm-hmm to to ask what game you would like us to play next. Now, we are going to do the same thing where we select three games and allow you guys to vote on it, and these are the three games that we are going to select now. So, <clears throat> first game is what, Nicole? I don't know. Where's the list? Okay, the first one is La Isla. La Isla is mm-hmm. a Steffenfeld game. Yes. I know that about it. You got it for me for Valentine's Day. <laughs> I know. It's got a heart on it. No, I'm just kidding. It doesn't. Did it have a heart? No. Oh. It's an I island. I was like, oh, that's so nice, but never mind. <laughs> no, I'm not nearly that nice. Yeah. The uh, It's it's a uh, island exploration game, and it's supposed to play in around an hour. And it's a feld, so it's going to be a little thinky, I'm sure. It's a feld, and it plays it's in a like, short amount of time, which means it might be. It's not Bora Bora level. <laughs> right. It might be right up my alley. Cool. Okay. Um, what else? Then we have Baseball Highlights 2045. Now, we understand that when we record this episode, we'll be right near opening day for pretty much all of MLB. When we record it, not when it comes out, probably. Well, who knows? Probably when it comes out. Meh. It might be just after that. Now, this is uh, Baseball Highlights 2045 is a game that we talked about on Watch or, or What Got Played. Watch It Played. Sorry, Rodney Smith. Sorry. No, <laughs> not your show. Well, maybe on his show. Uh, so this is when we talked about on what got played uh, a little bit ago, but we haven't played it really since. Mm-mm. And this is a Mike Elliott game that that's got these. It's a baseball game mm-hmm. where you have like robot robots. baseball players and stuff like yeah. that, cyborg baseball players. 
It's pretty fun. Didn't they beat you and you decided you didn't want to play it anymore or something? I'm a bad sport. Mm, No. Yeah. (laughs) What are you talking about? (laughs) Okay, the last one is Conquest of Narath. Now, Conquest of Narath is a Dungeons and Dragons theme game. Now, this is like their version of Axis and Allies or Risk or something like that. This is a game that's going to get to the table regardless of whether or not it's voted for because we played a game of it before we moved into this house right? and determined we couldn't leave it on the table and we'd... We, so we had to cut the game short, and we've been saying we're going to play it ever since we got the uh, we we played the, the short version sheet. of the game. Yeah, and I want to play the long version of the game. <laughs> Unbelievable! Oh, I want to play it. So this this game, uh, you you can play it up to four players, and there are four different armies that fight each other for dominance of Narath, this big continent area. And what's cool about this is Dungeons and Dragons, of course, is the theme behind it. And there are dungeons on the map where you can send these heroes in to explore these dungeons who equip themselves with magic swords. But it still has that risk, big map full of miniatures, you know, Axis and Allies feel. Mm-hmm. Where you're moving these big armies around and you're doing all this crazy stuff, except now you've got some guy with a Pegasus and a flaming sword. Bottom line is, I think all of these games are going to make it to the table no matter what. Well, that's all the games that we, we just, suggest on the poll are going to end up on the table at some time. I just want to give people a chance to, to select if they want. Yeah. That's their choice. For our future. Right. Right. <coughs> so, so you need to vote. <laughs> so, Nicole, that brings us to the end of episode 30. Okay. Now, <laughs> we love to hear from our listeners, and we would appreciate it if you emailed your questions and comments to talkaboutboardgames at gmail.com <laughs> If you would like to mail us a letter you can try to do so <laughs> at P.O. Box 6943 Lee's Summit, Missouri Now that's L-E-E-S space <laughs> S-U-M-M-I-T That might be part of the problem, I don't know Don't put an apostrophe <laughs> Right, uh, Missouri 64064 Now, this show becomes better when listeners take part in show discussions and segments. Now, you can do this by joining our guild on BoardGameGeek. Just visit our website, TalkAboutBoardGames.com, and click Forums to get there. You can even vote in this latest poll. You can always follow us on Instagram or Twitter. And also, if you haven't yet, please review us on iTunes or like our Facebook page. And in case you've been wanting to listen to us on Stitcher, guess what? Now you can, because we're on Stitcher. So now in two weeks, Angela joins Nicole and I playing another cooperative game. This one's called Zombie 15. Thank you so much for listening. Hopefully you tune in for that one. Gag rules. Players may only purchase one token during the planning phase, and that's in effect until removed from the queue. Uh, why does it keep doing that to I us, don't these know. token limits? But at least you'll be able to get that support. Woo. Hmm.